Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, March the 16th, 2016, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Mr. Bob Ryer. Welcome back. And uh, Mr. Steve Say. Hi. Uh, We will be joined later by Carolyn Coca, who will be talking about uh, our kind of book club for today, Fantastic Four number 48 through 51. Um, that the, Bob assigned the ill-named trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the trilogy plus uh, one Bob cheating. Um, just an, uh, the Galactic trilogy plus an issue that Bob really wanted us to read. Let's just call it that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she'll be talking about a little bit later. Um, Stephanie is, is out this week. Hope um, she feels better too. Yeah, it's a it's a whirlwind. Stephanie and I are never in the same place at the same time. Maybe we're the same person. Mm. You make fun of yourself a lot. Uh, it's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> you pre-record all that stuff. You guys have a really like. Uh, you guys keep a really dark secret, which is that I just do different voices as we're like. <laughs> I'm really good at keeping secrets. We're sitting yeah. here. You can tell uh, me anything. Why we don't do video? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so uh, so yeah. So we've got uh, you know we've got our lightning rounds and our, our books of the week to talk about as as well. Of course. Um, before we get into the regular books of the week, I wasn't here last week, so I didn't get a chance to talk about. Uh, Black Widow, ah, number one. Um, I did listen to what you folks thought of it on the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I did listen to it. I'm not, but my 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 stare was not really a real reaction. Um, but I just wanted to say I, I kind of, uh, uh, even though you you Bob and Steve had kind of really different opinions of, about it. Yeah. Uh, I agreed with some of both of your opinions. Okay. You know I about like it. That. Uh. It was absolutely, my, I think, my favorite book that came out last week, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, uh, and the things that, like Bob, that you sort of, uh, I would say, not didn't like about it, but weren't thrilled about, which was sort of the uh, uh, the minimal plot, I guess, yeah. would be what 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 it would be. Um, it didn't really, it didn't bother me. It, I definitely saw it there. I was like, there isn't a lot that's going on in here, but uh, what was there, I really liked, and I thought that. Just the the sheer sort of illustration of what Black Widow was doing was re- was really uh, visceral and and kinetic and kept me going throughout the the, mm-hmm. the pages. Um, so yeah, I, I I did really enjoy it. I think that I know, Bob, you mentioned last week sort of being burned by the slow pace and sort of not the the lack of plot development in the Noto um, Edmondson series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could definitely see how that would carry over to being sort of wary about how this series has started. Um, but, uh, I think that it it definitely feels like an artist first type of book. It definitely feels like Samney is sort of 
and Wilson are sort of driving the driving the bus, and Wade's just sort of there to kind of he's in the back smoking pot. Yeah, yeah, to help <laughs> it kind of go along and be like, this would be a cool idea. Let me write my 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 twelve words in this in this issue. Yeah. Um, but there are so few books I think that are sort of um put out like that now that it was sort of a refreshing change up from some of the other the other stuff out there and mm-hmm. it, because i read it last week because i thought obviously i didn't plan on being absent from the show last week it was a very good let's say uh not palate cleanser because that's the wrong because that would that would wouldn't tell that i didn't like this ever read before but having read four issues of a comic book from 19 the 1960s yeah. <laughs> that that is full shock full of words yeah a lot of words it was a nice little like respite <laughs> yeah, it was like yeah. a little it was like sorbet you know um, a little bit of a different, after a, different after a very heavy, well. like a very heavy <laughs> Italian pasta meal. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was like let me just say this little, this light, this nice, nice little light thing. Um, it was the rainbow cookie. The rainbow cookie, exactly. Nice. But I had a, I, I, I loved it, I, and I, I'm excited to see where, where it goes and, and what the series ends up, ends up being. Uh, It'd be interesting to see where the plot actually goes. Where, yeah. what she's doing, why she's doing it. Not a MacGuffin, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it, it's. There's not an obvious place to go, I think, with that character. I think I, I think that that's what makes her very interesting. Is that she doesn't? There's no. Oh, of course, Black Widow is a, is going to have to go through this beat and that beat and this beat and that beat. You know, other fact that she's a spy and her allegiances are always sort of in question. And you know, who does she really answer to? Other than that, sort of generalized, like very, you know, very clandestine, classic spy sort of feeling there aren't a lot of obvious stops along the way, you know? And, and I think that makes it different than even someone like Daredevil, who, uh, who he did before, was that he took a lot of liberties and did a lot of things with Daredevil, but there are there are just, there are things and relationships mm-hmm. and and tropes that every Daredevil story deals with, and he dealt with those all of those things. With Black Widow, I don't think that there is necessarily those things. I mean, there's Bucky. I mean, Bucky's a big character for her, but um, other than that, I, I don't really see... You know, I don't know what the obvious supporting cast is going to be. Is there going to be even be a big supporting cast? You know, it, who knows? Uh, is is it going to be a very sort of spycraft laden story? Is it going to be a more action related story? Who the knows? The other one. I mean, I only read it for so long. I mm-hmm. think I read it maybe like one through twelve, possibly. But that was pretty much like a lone wolf mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, right? yeah. She didn't really buddy cop it with anybody. No, I don't think so. From what I read of it, I read like six or seven issues, I think, of that series. Okay. Yeah, in the old minis, it was very much the Russian story. Mm-hmm. It, right. It, how she, her origin and other Black Widows around. And Greg Ruckhead did one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Devin Grayson mm-hmm. going way back. All I can remember from that run is how gorgeous it was. It's a great, it's a great yeah. looking book. Yeah. yeah. She's definitely been treated well art-wise for both of these both of these runs. Mm-hmm. And yeah i'm I'm looking forward to seeing because I, I it's I don't know where it's gonna be going and, and so but it you know it was nice to read after you know one book doesn't make a trend but after being very disappointed in all new all different Avengers it was nice to feel like okay but this is this is yeah. it you know this is this is what I wanted to read mm-hmm. in the first place so i'm 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 happy about that um I don't know Steve, did you talk about spider-man number two last week I don't I didn't listen to the whole show I didn't. You didn't. No, I didn't. I have read it. It was good. It was really good. I thought it was good. It's um, it's getting a little serious. There, yeah. there are definitely some things being addressed in in that uh, that issue that um, were were interesting. This this round of Miles Morales feels 
very different mm. to me from the previous run. Mm. Um, it feels more mature. It feels more kind of socially aware. He seems older, right? He seems like he's yeah. a couple years older because I think he felt like he was thirteen or fourteen in yeah in Ultimate, and now it feels like he's like sixteen, seventeen. That's what it feels like to me. I'm still having a lot of trouble separating the the worlds, right? Like you have the the post battle world stuff, mm-hmm. and then the stuff that came before. That I'm, I'm, I guess I'm supposed to just dismiss. Apparently, they uh, they explained some of that, and at the end of Secret Wars or something like that, they explained some of right. that, like the differences or whatever. This is what I heard. Uh, I well, a I listener read the last one. I didn't see much explanation. Going yeah, on. a listener a few okay uh, weeks ago after we talked about the first one. Mentioned yeah, it. I mean he had he had a girlfriend in mm. the first run and. You know, she turned out to not be such a great person, right. and they talk in the first issue, like, you know, only so many people know his secret. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you're, I okay, so somebody else knows, but I guess we're not mm-hmm. doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I'm I'm still enjoying it. I love the character, so I'm I'm going to be reading it regardless and, and, and finding out where he goes. Um, it just... I used to I used to sit down and read like the Miles book for like fun, right? And now I'm sitting it down for sitting down for it almost to like like a hardcore Spider-Man story. Yeah, but you always talked you talked about storylines in that Ultimate Universe that were pretty serious. Yeah, some of the things you talked about the most were like the most serious things. I mean, maybe it's because he's he's more mature mm. and he's grown up now as opposed to the like the more like high school kid or or whatever. I mean. It just it has it's lost its kind of um, like like the sparkly eyes that you get when you first have your powers and you're learning them and all of that origin story stuff. Now he's actually established as Spider-Man and he's got, you know, pressures coming in on all sides from his his school, from people, from his parents, from other heroes that he looks up to. And now he's working with them. And it's just it really is a different miles and watching him kind of go through these growing pains as as somebody who feels like more attached to him than probably several other comic book characters that I've come across since we started doing this thing, mm-hmm. um, it's been weird. Like I've been like a little uncomfortable watching him in this comic, but still really interested and still really enjoying uh, kind of the thread of where they're taking him because he still has such a like a, a heroicness about him. He wants to be doing good. And I just hope that too many people don't stand in, stand in his way and mm. doubt him. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll, it should be interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of Spider Man, yes. Did uh, we all watch the uh, the Civil War? Oh yeah, trailer. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Whereas I have not seen a single anything aside from like a Netflix menu for Daredevil. Mm. Um, I watched that. I watched that trailer. He looks good. Yeah. He looks real good. Yeah. And. <laughs> Well, we're talking about obviously people. People, if you haven't seen the Civil War trailer, uh, you, you're probably doing that thing where you're not watching any trailers to to not be spoiled. So you know, but I'm sure if you are alive that you've heard about this. But uh, Spider-Man makes his appearance in at the in the last moment of the of the trailer, uh, flips in, um, very quippy, very quippy, yeah, yeah, um, and uh, and does his thing. And you know, obviously there's you know opinions on all, all fronts about the the way the costume looks. It seems like they very much de-emphasize the sort of web on his body. Like it's there, but it's mm-hmm. not as. If you look at like the you know the especially Andrew Garfield costume, 
it was you know very very prominent and this mm-hmm. is there but more sort of thin the thinner the lines are a little thinner it's a little bit more mm-hmm. uh reserved in that um but but his fucking eyes move <laughs> have you listened to i think it was either the bomb cast or the beast cast where they were talking about the eyes and how somebody like somebody saw deadpool and then had to stay like an extra 50 hours at work <laughs> to go back and change spider-man's yeah. eyes and they're sitting behind the pu- computer yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, fuck, fuck spider-man <laughs> <laughs> Steve Ditko and John Romita used to do That's how he shows emotion. Yeah, right? yeah. It narrows and, and widens. That suit yeah. is from John Romita. That's like yeah. that style, right? Okay. Yeah, except for those little extra stripes. And I'm, that's, oh, on the yeah. pants, you mean? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I think those are like the, hey, I made this in my, like, my my house yeah. like yeah. uh like uh concession for I, for the suit i saw some weird comments that day like i saw people being like well he doesn't sound tough enough <laughs> like really that was my fair part was when the voice came out yeah hey everybody <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah i mean the uh, moving eyes are i think are great i mean obviously unlike deadpool they're they're not it, it's there's a a technological reason because you, you hear them moving you're like you're yeah. like, zzz, like so you know that they're they're controlled by some sort of mechanism. Um, it's not just expressiveness of the eyes like they do with Deadpool. But I, I, it's great that they're doing it because it's one of those things that they've never done with, with the Spider-Man movies. And I think it's something that, that's always been sort of a, a bugaboo for them because if you look back in Spider-Man 1, you know, where you have like this conversation between Green Goblin and Spider-Man, which are like two expressionless masks <laughs> arguing with each other, it, it just always felt weird and that was obviously that's the movie's fault because it's not it's not embracing like the comic book nature of of the sure. masks being able to emote but i thought it was great um bob the the suit itself when you look at it you see mostly ramita in, in that yeah. suit there, there's some the ditko one had the webs under the arm right right yeah. so that's when you go back to that mm-hmm. especially the color palette it's mm-hmm. sort of the 60s cartoon show too yeah Very pastelli red and mm-hmm. blue it's nice to see the change and see that be I love the Raimi suit. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really, really yeah. well done. But it was a little much to think that Peter could have sewn that together yeah, yeah. With, with a material that was, I don't know, $40,000 a yard probably. Yeah, yeah. This looks like kind of, you mm-hmm. know, maybe a science kid could make that and make those, yeah, yeah. you know, make the whatever he's doing hydraulically or whatever. You got me wondering what that's about now. I didn't really think about what it. What, the hydraulic eyes? Yeah. yeah. Like, do we know for sure that when Peter gets his powers that he doesn't need his glasses anymore? Is no. that like a... Is I mean, it, I mean, in the books, in the books, yes. it happened that way. I don't know how they're going to do it in the movies, but okay, I was yeah. going to say because maybe, maybe that's not the case, and maybe he yeah. actually needs some kind of oh, like yeah. vision yeah. improvement thing. Or they might be there to do like extra vision. They might be there to like you know, be able to spider vision. Yeah, to like <laughs> zoom in and yeah. and you get a little closer in some like some like Batman hood going. Yeah, on. exactly, yeah. exactly. And there's also a theory that this is post meeting Tony, so Tony has given him some tech or something ah maybe to hunt down ant-man yeah maybe um <laughs> uh, but yeah that, i like that so that That's was a awesome. it's a great little moment at the end of the trailer um there was a funny like internet thing going around where it was like a fake daily bugle oh, I saw that, yeah. it was like a spider-man steals shield from yeah. aging <laughs> world war ii veteran <laughs> which i thought was pretty funny have you seen the thing from um what the hell the the chappelle show with rick james where it's in the trailer, they actually took footage of Black Panther and um, Winter Soldier, and like put it together in the moment where um, I think somebody, somebody, uh, Eddie Murphy's brother is kicking yeah. the crap out of uh, Rick James, mm-hmm. and he, he like 
uh, which we call it Black Panther smashes into Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. and it's oh god, it's hysterical. Mm-hmm. Like they overlaid all the voices and put the masks <laughs> on their heads, so they're just floating heads. I died laughing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the trailer, I think you know, it gives us. It doesn't really give us much more idea of uh, plot, really. Um, it really kind of just sort of gives us alternate footage, I think, from what we first think. We still know the, the same thing. Um, you know, the the government is cracking down on superheroes because of the three sort of big disasters that have happened around them. Uh, and uh, Tony is obviously on the side of, of, of kind of being, you know, policed, and Cap is on, on the opposite side. Um, we know Bucky is involved somehow in the sort of disaster that happened, although uh, my theory is that he's being framed by someone mm-hmm. Uh, not sure yet who uh, Baron Zemo or whoever it's going to be that he to do these things because you know they make it look like in the trailer that Bucky like shoots down uh, Rhodey. Yeah, um, I can't imagine that's going to happen in that movie, but no. uh, like I can believe that Tony will think that's what that's what happened. Hmm. Um, yeah, so that and that's pretty much it. I mean, we don't when I mean, we see them sort of both tooling up on 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 their sides, um, and we we get. Another great comic book moment, which is Ant Man riding on the tip of uh, Hawkeye's arrow, yep. which was a really awesome thing that I never thought I'd ever see in my life in a <laughs> in a movie. It happens. Uh, I have a technical question. Yeah, I've heard that a portion of the film was filmed in IMAX. I think that's correct. Yeah. Okay. They've done it before with other movies. Now, what does that mean for people that don't see it in IMAX? Uh, it could mean nothing really, uh, but like. Uh, so Dark Knight, like it shot its entire opening scene, the one in the bank. Okay. That was all shot in IMAX, and there's a couple of like establishing shots shot right. in IMAX. Uh, I believe that something recently did it as well. Shot. I mean, uh, I think they shot like Interstellar all in IMAX and and stuff like that. And uh, maybe it's just designed to look the best on that. Type yeah, of I mean, screen. it's like a huge frame, so okay. there's like a lot to take in. And I think. Sometimes the aspect ratio slightly changes um, of of the film. It's like radioactive panoramic. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It, but it's it's just one of the, it's just the the frame even shrunk down to fit under the movie screen captures a lot more because the the size of like the the film is so much bigger. So okay, but it I, will be obviously optimized if you see it on a huge screen. Yeah, but I, I guess if you see it in a regular thing, like they'll shrink it down. Yeah, kind of like yes. with like if you're waiting for the movie to start and you watch them adjust it. Yes. Uh, right before it actually yeah. starts uh, running. Yeah, so th- there will it, it probably won't matter much for people sitting in and actually, you know, watching it in the. In I the wish movie. we had one of those AVX theaters that I saw Star oh, yeah. Wars in for this movie. Those are cool. Oh, that'd be so cool. But yeah, I think it looks great. Um, again, and like, uh, it's not my, my not my favorite thing, the hero versus hero thing, but it looks like it's going to be pretty great. And the little bit bit we get of Black Panther, yeah, seems, in action, seems yeah. great. Now, what is happening with J.K. Simmons? You you mentioned J.J. before. Oh yeah, well no, he well there was some he went to D.C. Yeah, he's playing yeah. Gordon, Commissioner Gordon, and yeah. Justice League, which is great. I mean, that's a great yeah. casting move uh, for, for that character. Um, yeah, I man, I, I don't think he'll get. He's not gonna. He's not gonna end up being in the Spider-Man universe again. I don't. I just don't think um, <laughs> they're gonna recast that whole thing. I'm pretty sure. So uh, the cast. Uh, uh, they cast somebody for the Spider-Man movie itself, like a, a girl who yeah. uh, she's not playing Mary Jane or um, Gwen Stacy. It's a uh, she, they Betty have like, they get no they gave it like a like a you know Jennifer like they gave it like you know <laughs> a very the very like I don't remember her <laughs> yeah exactly so either new it might yeah. be a new character 
JJ uh, will be played by Gary Oldman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a good cross. switch. That'd be awesome. Because he's going to be back in high school or whatever, so there's going to be a lot of characters I think have to yeah. be present for that. But J.K. Simmons is Perry White. Oh, boy. <laughs> he played, the, played the other editor. It could be Luke Grant. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, Bob, you had, were positive about the trailer? Very positive. Yeah. Yeah. Again, as with you, I could have just as soon done without Civil War. Mm-hmm. But this does seem a long way from those books that I didn't like. Right. And I have the feeling there might be a sunnier ending. Maybe. I've heard rumors that it's not going to be a very sunny I... ending. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid those rumors. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's not very far away now. We only got like just over a month to to before that before that's out. So Wow. Is it? That... I think it's beginning of May, right? Yeah. yeah. May yeah. 6th. May 6th or whatever. Yeah. So we're very, very close. Very, very close. Daredevil is on Friday. I know. Which I'm very excited about. I've only watched, I watched the one, like, Punisher trailer, like the first one they put out. This Friday or next Friday? This Friday. This Friday. I thought it was supposed to be the same day as Batman vs. Superman. No, it's the week before. Oh. They moved off it. So then what was all of this, like, oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to decide? Are you going to Well, no, no, the whole thing was like, uh, you know, Daredevil is going to beat Batman, Superman to... Right to uh, to the market. Okay, so it's out on Friday. So I'll be wa- watching all of that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, actually, speaking of Netflix, the last time we were all together, we were talking about Iron Fist. Yes. And Shang Chi is now part of the Iron Fist show. Yes, he is. Yes, he is, and they they they're also doing casting for um, what's the girl? The Colleen Wing. Colleen Wing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right now, so cool. We'll see how all so that. They all, listen to us. That so all shakes they heard out. The podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll see how all of that uh, comes together um, as, as that all develops. But yeah, we're uh, we're just about to hit superhero season. Daredevil <laughs> this week, next week is Batman Superman. Then not too long after that is Captain America. Then it's X Men and Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Crazy! I'm so excited for Suicide Squad. Yeah, and then after Suicide, right? Not too long after Suicide Squad is uh, Doctor Strange. Wow, theoretically, because it's yeah. we're, we we already saw like four trailers for Civil War, but time we were this far away from uh, Doctor yeah, Strange. Yeah, we haven't seen much of anything. We've seen we maybe seen some it. set photos. Yeah, that's it. we've seen some official stills. But I mean, good. I would say that probably you probably get that on Captain America. I would guess you'll get something, a teaser trailer <laughs> yeah. before it or something like that. That'd be the after credit sequence. It could be. It could he, absolutely he could be. be in the after credit sequence. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> People should stay late. Recruiting some people uh, should always stay. Some if new you, Avengers. Yeah. If you go and see a comic book movie, I mean, you guys probably know. You don't get up. You don't leave. Even if even anybody if, listening to this podcast knows that. I hope so, man, because I still see it. Yeah, I, I still yes, see I it every too. damn time that I go to see a comic book movie. People getting up and people leaving, or or you get the people that get up and they're not sure. They can't decide, mm-hmm. so they just stand up in the row in the aisle, sit down. There was something, what was the, I don't, there was some, I don't remember what movie it was, it wasn't that long ago, they said before it came out, there's no scene after the credits, don't stay, there's no scene, so I got up and left, I don't, it, it was, it was a superhero, was it a superhero movie, I don't remember what it was, a comic book, I don't remember what movie it was, and I got up and left, and I remember I came in to work the next day, and was talking to the guy I work with, RJ, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I get up and, you know, left. They said there was no after credit scene. He goes, I know they said that, but I waited anyway. <laughs> I thought there would still be something. And I was like. <laughs> They'd lie. That sounds like it's your fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, let's move on to our uh, our lightning round here. Uh, 
Steve, I'm going to start out with you. Uh, all right. Unless you want to follow Bob. Uh, nah. Okay. You've got three minutes, and go. So, um, whoa, almost spilled my tea. <laughs> I caught up with Harrow County uh, the other day, Dark Horse Comics, the other day, yesterday, this morning. I don't remember. Doesn't matter. And uh, so a dark wanderer has come to town, mm. and he snatches a bird out of the air and then pokes holes in it and uses it like a piccolo as he skips down the road. Hmm. His name is Colonel Sanders. That is the opening to the newest arc of Harrow County. It also has something to do with with snakes and witches and stuff. I don't know. Um, Oh, my God. Spider-Woman numbers three and four. Some of the best comics that I've read all year. That that series is absolutely spectacular. The whole Spider-Woman pregnancy thing has been handled, in my opinion, phenomenally well. I mean, take it for what you will. But it's been it's been really heartfelt. It's been action packed. It's been funny. It's been everything. And oh my god, when when the baby is finally there, the 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 art and the look on Jessica's face was I I had to like stop reading for a minute and just like drink it in. It was amazing. Um, so I won't go on about it. But uh, I finished Mouse. I read volume two. I, I you know as much as you can enjoy a really expertly written and drawn story such as that it was wonderful um i do think that i kind of liked volume one a little bit better just in terms of like reading a book and actually being engaged in the story um you don't really go outside of auschwitz much in uh volume two and i think the kind of moving around and the the interlocking of families and stories and such was really what was keeping me so engaged in, in the story and stuff like that. And the second one was kind of just like really, really horrible stuff happening and, and everything. Um, I read The Haunted Mansion from Joshua uh, Williamson mm-hmm. and Marvel. Uh, it was cool. Very much a like, here's the setup and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll lobby the ball next issue mm-hmm. kind of thing. But the art's spectacular. Um, the main character is very, very cool. And uh, kind of like, you know, you're, your boy who who grew up around his grandfather and his grandfather was an adventurer and this kid thinks he's a loser and he, you know, there's no point in him going anywhere because he can't do anything and he's ordinary and uh, his grandfather passes away in kind of a funny way that he he's like adventuring and something happens where he's he's in the mountains and like there's this little crack and he looks up and there's a like an avalanche he's just like oh shoot <laughs> and goes quietly you know into the into the good night and uh, his spirit ends up getting uh trapped in the house the haunted house where all of the all of the the oh. disney characters are and everything like that and um the woman inside the crystal ball reaches out to the kid and con like gets him to come there to help solve a mystery to get his grandfather's spirit back the what? end <laughs> awesome that's right very good you that's waste, right you wasted a second though i <laughs> adulthood is a myth was wonderful <laughs> Stephanie and I talked about this last week uh, not to spoil anything I said you got a second I didn't say you got another minute you're done this is hilarious you talked though. about 17 books ah <laughs> oh, it's so funny alright whatever alright Bob okay, okay. are you ready sure you have three minutes on the clock and go Hench Girl by Chris and Gudsnut continues to be a charming send-up of the superhero genre, and issue five takes a job actually in, uh, into some emotional territory as Mary's superhero friend the mannequin has run afoul of the butterfly gang and needs her help along with a whole bunch of superglue because he gets busted up in not a good way. 
Spider-Gwen number six features a great finale to the uh, Harry Osborn storyline that includes uh, Gwen acquiring some new and helpful friends in the form of the new Captain America of Hearth and director Carter of S.H.I.E.L.D. Standout, though, of this issue, it's, it's perhaps of the entire series, a closing conversation between Gwen and her dad that is just storytelling at its best. So it's Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez there. Thor number five has a little bit of everything, including me thinking it was number six. Uh, it's a battle between Thor and Odin, a hexed wedding in the kingdom of, of the light elves, Loki being Loki. Most important, just glorious storytelling by Jason Aaron, stunning artwork by Russell Dowderman. There's a full page shot that I'm not going to spoil here, but it's a moment that will bring a smile to the face of all who have been loving Jane Foster as Thor, and her comments are just spectacular. So keep on that one. Howard the Duck number five, Chip Zdarsky, Joe Canonis also ties up a story arc as Howard, Tara, with the help of two heralds of Galactus, the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, they take on the Collector in epic battle. Uh, epic might not be right, but it is, it is a heck of a lot of fun. He gets, <laughs> Howard gets thrown a lot, a lot. Uh, a surprising ending. And we're left hanging as the story that is going to be told for a while out, or at least that's what Chip Zdarsky is saying. Next, next issue. It's a long time to wait for a cliffhanger, but there is a crossover with Squirrel Girl coming. Uh-oh. Uh, Ms. Marvel 5 is full-on comedy from the cover, uh, which we have craziness going on here. Uh, Kamala copes with the consequences of having, I don't know, golem clones all over the place so she can go to school and go to weddings and all the rest of it and still have time to be Ms. Marvel. And it's multiplicity times, I don't know, about a hundred. This is just laugh out loud nuts. Uh, this is a sort of a convention of Kamala's basically. So uh, just, just wonderful, wonderful stuff continues to be one of my favorite books of the last, I don't know, like 10 years. I have, I have 12 seconds. No, I have, you have 40, 40 whole seconds. 40 seconds. I, we were in the city uh, with, with Melissa and Lauren mm-hmm. and Carolyn. I went down to the Strand Bookstore and picked up the little book of Wonder Woman <laughs> from Tashin, who does really charming little art books. This is basically the history of Wonder Woman oh, wow. in, in, in about 150 pages. It's covers from all through her history, uh, panels inside, weird promotional artwork that's never been seen before from ads from the newspaper strip or whatever, and it's 10 bucks. There's also a Batman and a Superman mm. in that series. So if you're looking for a gift for the Wonder Woman fan has everything, the little book of Wonder Woman. This is awesome. Yeah. This is like, this is super cool. I mean, just for all the artwork alone. Wow. She wishes you holiday fun. Yes, yeah, she does. <laughs> Makes her Wonder Woman. That Wonder Woman. Whoa. That's a big Wonder Woman. That's a big Wonder Woman. It's a little scary. You have a different cover of Thor than... Yeah, you got a better one than mine. I like the one that... I like this one. Yeah. yeah. It's it's cool, like the big Odin. Yeah, yeah. Odin's Odin's a jerk. He is a jerk. Yes, and he deserves what happens to him. Yeah. This is Laura Braga, who has been doing the mm-hmm. Wonder Woman art on DC bombshells. Oh, okay. So I just thought that was a, that was just now. a really nice cover. Wasn't he like kind of sort of cool in the movies? Like I remember him being like fatherly and this well, yeah. And but that. he's gone different directions, you know, over the over the years in 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 the books. Um, you know, he's not. He's not always the way he is now, but he was gone for a while, and then he came mm-hmm. back. Because if you remember, um, like reading the Gillen Journey to Mystery, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't around, and he wasn't around for right. even the Loki agent of Asgard. Was thing. he in the Odin sleep or something? Yeah, he was dead. I don't, okay. I don't think he was even in Odin sleep mm-hmm. at that point. It was like the, like the council, like the All Mother Council with Freya and and uh, I don't remember the other characters, but 
Not to mention, he has, he and Jane have bad history together. Mm-hmm. How so? Uh, he was not thrilled that his son was in love with a mortal woman. Okay. And so at one point, after she was actually helpful to Thor on Earth, he allowed Thor to bring her, I, I discussed this once on a show, mm-hmm. brought her to Asgard to make her into a god. Because Thor thought she was worthy of this power. So he gave her some godlike powers, or she could sort of fly. Mm-hmm. Didn't tell her how to use it. Didn't tell her that it might be different. So she tries to fly. She's scared. She's a human woman mm-hmm. now flying through the air. You have to pass the test of the, the dark lock room or whatever it is. <laughs> a giant monsters. And it's just a regular woman. All of a sudden she has powers and she's not worthy and he cast her out, took her memory away. It was just not good. Yeah. So he gets poked in the chops a little bit here. <laughs> and deserves every second. And just, and just like, you know, every sort of version of the, like the head god, you know, he is quick to anger and mm. is sometimes just as evil as he is, you know, benevolent. Mm. Yeah. Uh, like Zeus or any of those sort of sort of characters. I can always smell his breath when I read that comic. <laughs> Whenever he's yelling, I, I imagine that I'm able to smell it. And it smells just like like wine and roasted chicken. <laughs> yes, it would. It's a big turkey leg. It just gnaws yeah, him off. Little flecks of meat escaping as he's barking <laughs> at you. <laughs> One lands on your cheek. But anyway, it, uh, Thor was great. Yeah. Thor was really great, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what the Loki stuff ends up being. He does there's, some pretty terrible stuff. In yeah, he does. But just like always, there's something else going on underneath the obvious, because the way that he reacts and the way that he talks after he's away, I think gives away something else going on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a. Uh, and one of the other characters who describes what it was he does that's so heinous in the book is either or. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's a conspiracy. Yeah. But yeah, uh, but really, um, really great. And obviously, that looks amazing. Uh, the art in that series is top notch. Yeah. There are pages in, in that book that are just jaw droppingly gorgeous. Yes, absolutely. Even when it's like just a sea of dead people in the middle of the cosmos, it's gorgeous. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I don't really have a, you know, I don't really have enough, I have enough books to do a lightning, r- lightning round for. Uh, the only book, because we were all talking about the other books that, that I read um, in other sections, but uh, Invincible Iron Man was the only other one that I think I read that we, we haven't talked about. Oh, I don't think I read that. Uh, which was good. It was good. How many issues in are there? Seven now. Wow. Yeah. Seven now. It's been awesome. It's on so that kind of, you know, that Bendis release schedule, which is yeah. like, it comes out every like, three weeks like you know it's, it's not quite uh twice a month but it's close um there was a book where is the third issue of totally awesome hulk oh i don't even know like i i feel like it's been months yeah. since we saw issue two i mean i have both of them and, and nothing's popped up on my yeah i don't think it's out comicsology thing um isn't there another iron man book coming yeah um international international iron, iron man i don't know what it is it's like you know it's again. It's a Bendis thing. There always has to be two. Yeah, <laughs> there has to be two books that he has to write at the same time, that do different parts of it. But I'm gonna look it up. I want to know what's going on. Mary Jane was more a part of this issue. She's sort of taking like the Pepper Pot sort of role, oh. um, and in that, and in that way as well, Spider Man is sort of Peter, sort of becoming, sort of entangled mm. in the in uh, the whole Iron Man's thing that's going on. But uh, really good issue. Uh, you know, it's um. I guess Marquez has got the issue off. I'm not sure if 
it's uh diodato is doing it so i'm not sure if he's doing it for like a couple issues or it's just a one 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 off um so the, the art is still good but not the same sort of popping you know stuff that marquez does there's a certain way about his his pencil work that it just it, it pops hmm. and this is much more it's a more muted look to it but still still very nice looking um evidently where? number three came out on february 10th oh really and i missed it oh, oh. Hmm. all right all right i was enjoying that i'll have to go i'll have to go back and you have to go check it out, out yeah. issue four should be nearly out Fing yeah fang foom <gasps> is on the cover oh <laughs> that's exciting he uh, was a real bully in the last moon girl issue <laughs> Fin Fang? No, Hulk. Oh, right. He was in. The, I knew he was in another another book. Yeah. I didn't know what, which one it was. Um, now, where is Pepper when all this stuff is going on? Uh, they haven't really said where she is. They mention her. Mary Jane mentions her because uh, they're having this conversation, and I'll spoil a little moment in the in in the issue. But they're like Tony's trying to convince her to work for him, and you know they're having a conversation. At one point, Tony says. Uh, he goes, look, I do this thing where I like, I, I, we, we start having a conversation. He's like, and I already know where the conversation is going to go before we get we at the end. So I kind of tune out cause I already know how it's all going to go. Um, he goes, I know that makes me sound like a dick, but this is the kind of thing I need your help with. She goes, cause there isn't a lot you can say that'll surprise me. And she goes, I called pepper pots and he like freaks out. <laughs> so I don't know like what exactly is up. With her, oh, what she's great. doing, but it, it, it was a nice moment in the in in the book. Um, but yeah, and I do like it because it, it sort of the last couple issues it started expanding it into like other members of the Iron Man universe because Rhodey is now a part of what's going on. So that's cool. I, I like I like that it's starting to expand things just past Tony a little bit more. Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's talk about. I know that you we some of the books we wanted to talk about were all sort of shared, but I, I think one of the ones that's not shared is. Mockingbird, which I'd like to hear ah. about, Bob. Oh, I bought that, but I didn't get to read it. Okay, I won't spoil it at all. It looks awesome. I thumbed through it in the store, and I loved the art. Well, we have uh, it's Chelsea Kane, who mm-hmm. did the uh, one shot way back in midsummer, I guess. When yeah, did the 50th it, anniversary it was all those of, shield, of shield things, right? Yeah. We're on the Fury oh, one, I everything didn't read like that. that yeah. Okay. And the artist is I'm going to mangle her name, uh, Kate Niemczyk. Sounds good. We'll and go we have a Joel Jones cover. Joel Jones, yes, uh, I, I am in the minority. I'm gonna say because I like this better than I did Black Widow. <laughs> okay. Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't read it yet. I, I do want to read. It. I haven't got a chance to read it. Yet. Um, it is Bobby is in some really weird places because of Bobby. Bob, <laughs> Bobby, Bobby, like, Bobby uh, Morse. No, Bobby Morse. Bobby Morse. Bobby not Morse. This Bobby. Mockingbird. <laughs> He's Roberta, not talking about me like Roberta I'm not here. Morse. <laughs> What are we going to do about Pop? Like, oh, no, we lost Pop. have to put him in a home. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I want to pause the podcast there. (laughs) Mockingbird, I'll I'll say it that way. That just makes things easier. She's had an interesting life. She's been a spy and a scientist and died more than once, if I remember correctly. And so she's being monitored. So you get a lot of of people giving her grief about what's up in her life, and her snarky sassy attitude is absolutely spot on for me so it's very funny there's some interesting actiony stuff and some just oddball conglomerations of characters in the waiting room here and we're setting up i almost spoiled the last page mm-hmm. we set up nicely through the book something that's happening maybe just to her or maybe to the world around her and so we're not sure 
Ooh. Is it part of what could be an illness or is this real or is the world sick? Oh, no. Right. So it's it's that. It's still the spy stuff. There's loads of great science fiction and there's even a little bit of a horror element and tons of comedy. And it looks great and sounds even better when you read the dialogue. Just really snappy. Is it an ongoing or is it a limited? Limited. I think it's five. Okay. Mm. Okay. So I hope they I can't wait to read it. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. It's got like a McKelvey... Oh, absolutely! Yeah, That's great. Yeah, yeah. Like the the art, like the it's very yeah, clean. Take a, yeah, take a it's look very look. like mm-hmm. stark. You know, very colorful, but also like looks really good. Like yeah, it, yeah it I thumbed through it uh, the other day, and I was I, I wasn't sure that I was going to pick it up, and then I, I looked at some of the pages, and I went, "Wow!" Mm-hmm. So uh, I grabbed it, but uh, it was one of the things I just didn't have time. Mm-hmm. No, laid out very interestingly. Again, clean, sharp. Just well done. I, I was very happy. I, I just a gamble, really. Mm-hmm. Again, love the one shot. Mm-hmm. So I was, yeah, I mean, five issues, sure. Yeah, she's a great character, and uh, I think, I, I think it's the right time to do that type of series with her, considering the popularity from the TV yeah. show. I, th- I think it's a good time, especially with the fact that they're probably going to be doing a spinoff with her. Uh, I think they actually they confirmed it for for mm-hmm. next year. Yeah, and the, Marvel Most Wanted yes. or something like that, yep. right? That's what it's called. And that will definitely be, I think, addressed here at some level because in the in the back matter, there's talk of you're going to see Hunter from the television show. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Clint too. Okay, that's great. Uh, that's good. We're going to see Clint. Yeah, um, I I so want him to show up on the TV show at some point. It would just make perfect sense to have him there. Yeah. But did you see all the renewals? From the other day. Oh, the CW renewed yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's there, that one show got canceled. Um, but yeah. I'm in the middle. Uh, I'm catching up on Supernatural. I'm, I'm on the last episode of season seven now. I cannot believe that that show is going into its 12th I know. It's crazy. Season. And they said, the the head of CW said basically, as long as those two guys yeah. want to keep doing it, yeah. we'll keep airing it because it, it's- That's so crazy. It makes us money. You know, It's funny because I, I never got into watching that show. Yeah. And mostly because I felt like when I, when it first started, it just my perception of it was that it was like, you know, like like a ripoff of other shows or like a bad copy of like something that just them trying to cash in basically on like, mm-hmm. you know, their sort of Buffy Angel, like their sort of yeah. you know their sort of like we're, we're making money on these like science fiction shows, so let's just do another one. And so I always just like tuned it out, and it wasn't until it was like. It was like in season seven or something like that when I heard people being like, "No, I love that show." Yeah, and I was like, "People," I was like, "Really?" <laughs> I, I just never, I had never watched it, so I had no frame of reference for it at all. I watched it from the start, uh, seasons one through seven, and then I I disappeared somewhere between the break between seven and eight, and just didn't go back because um, I, you know, Netflix was invented and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. all this stuff. And I just, now it's on Netflix. Yes, all, it is. You know, 10 seasons yeah. and then the 11th just, I guess, just finished or something. But um, so I know that I'd seen some of Seven. Turns out I've seen all of Seven mm-hmm. now that I've watched Seven all over again. <laughs> but it's been fun. And honestly, I mean, I, I could see where you would get that impression. Mm-hmm. But the thing about Supernatural and one of the reasons why they're saying, you know, so long as, as you know, Jensen and... Uh, Pilecki? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jared yeah. and, and uh, Jensen Eccles. Like, as long as they want to do it, we'll let them do it, is because it's very much 
character driven mm-hmm. as opposed to like the creature of the week kind of thing and the the overall plot of whatever's going on that season is always secondary to kind of the personalities of the of the characters the reoccurring ones and just people that just stop by and they have a habit of bringing characters back whether they're alive or dead and it's usually very well timed and, mm. and fun and I mean, I'm I'm at a I'm at a point now where there's a couple of episodes that I just was watching it with my friend Michelle, and I looked over at her and I was like, "Are we really, really? <laughs> this is what we're doing for this episode?" She's like, "Just go with it, man." She's like, "You know you love it." And I'm like, "I do, but it's just so dumb." And then the, out of nowhere, they will directly reference just how ludicrous the situation is and like what they're doing currently. They'll recap everything, and they'll just look at each other and be like. Well, all right, mm-hmm. that's you know that's what we're doing this week. And I, even in the last episode, I watched one of the uh, like alpha vampires before they, like they, the party goes. I'll see you next season, <laughs> and he just means you know I'll see you in a few months or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it's one of those like ah eh? yeah 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 season eight. I'll I remember be there. I remember I forgot what year it was. It was like two thousand and seven or something like that. I think it was. They were both in horror movies over the summer. They were in the Friday the Thirteenth remake, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then in My Buddy Valentine. Yep. And I remember reading some story that was like, these two guys cannot get away from walking around in the dark with flashlights looking for things. <laughs> it's totally true. <laughs> um, oh, my God. But anyway, um, so, yeah, so that's that's uh, um, Mockingbird. But uh, you guys both want to talk about Legends of Wonder Woman, right? That was one Yeah, of, sure. It was both of, like, one of your sure. guys' books of the I mean, I have one small week. thing to say about it just because oh, cool. I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for Bob. <laughs> well, you want to go first? You go first. I'm okay. I'm considerably farther in the series right, than you are. Right, because I'm reading it physically. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, I guess, three chapters per... Yes. Digital chapters per print. He, again, this is uh, Renee Delis doing story and art, and she's retelling the origin of Wonder Woman with some changes. Art is just spectacular. We hit lots of just charming notes through her history. And... Lots of Steve Trevor here. He's he's gotten himself stranded on on Themyscira, and we go through the contest. So there's some slight changes. We don't see the bullets and bracelets, but it's it's implied, I guess. Lots of political and godly intrigue, including right up to the finale in this issue. The bits between Diana and her mother are just so wonderful. Yeah, no pun intended. That just slipped slipped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, she presents her with the box of gifts and it's this moment of passing the torch mm-hmm. that when you see the origin is told here, she is born from the clay and the gods and the rest of it. Now having that, she gives back that gift. It is just absolutely poignant and wonderful. I'll keep saying wonderful about this book until <laughs> more people buy it. What do you think so far, Steve? Obviously you're yeah. hooked. Yeah, I was. Uh, I I read it when I was in Vancouver. Uh, I caught up with it as far as it was, and I really, I got hooked on. And it's funny how it even started for me. I mean, I know that you'd mentioned that it was coming out, but I didn't realize that so much of it had been out at that point. And I saw a tweet from Renee Deliz, and she's like, "I've written uh, a Wonder Woman story that's like X amount of pages or whatever." And I saw art from it, and I'm like, "Oh wow, I'm like that looks really neat." And then I realized what it was but I thought that she meant that she like she wrote her part and it was done and I'm like okay let me go and check it out it turns out she's you know in charge of the whole kitten caboodle and whatever but um it's funny that you mentioned the the relationship and the kind of the conversations between Diana and her mother was as much as I was enjoying the series it was that 
that really, really anchored me to continue reading it. And like, I might let like a week or two go by Mm -hmm. um, just because quite frankly, I forget, like, I just, I don't know. I guess it's a weekly schedule. Yeah. Um, But uh, so I'm on issue 18 of the series, which is probably three books out from, from where you are now. And you, have you gotten to like the, the Steve Trevor stuff? He's here. Okay. And she's bringing him back to man's world. Okay. So where I'm at in the story, uh, we're in man's world now. And, uh, Diana becomes involved with the war. And I'll just, I'll, I'll say this. There is one issue. I think it's either 17 or 18 that is so delightfully and deliciously Wonder Woman, you are going to freak out. Nice. Like that week that you come in with that issue of that book, you're going to be raving about it because it is awesome. Like you talk about her being given the gifts, like the mo- the moment the gifts actually come out is spectacular. Um, and Etta Candy is now, is now a part of the story. And she's hilarious. As she should be. She's hilarious. Um, really, really enjoying her character. I'm enjoying everything about this series. Um, it's, I mean, aside from like the Hecate, this has probably been my favorite Wonder Woman thing that I've read. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I haven't read a whole lot of Wonder Woman, but I mean, as far as knowing what I know about the character and sticking true to to her roots, and you said there are a couple of changes, but it's just it's so pure. You know, and and it's it's just it's boiled down to the basics, but in a really, really well written and fun way, you know, and and even for like the little the little bits that these digital issues are, they always manage to leave on a high note and they make me want to come back for the the next one and the next one and the next one. So, yeah, I, I positively I love it. Now, what do they get per digital issue? Uh, Ninety nine cents. Oh, so for people who are looking to try to play catch up on a book that if they're. They're trying to find a way to get into Wonder Woman mm-hmm. in a way they hadn't before, where either they were disappointed with the older ones mm-hmm. or even the more recent. Mm-hmm. This is the pure version of the character, and it'd be a great way to start. At 99 cents, how can you go wrong? Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things about doing the the digital stuff now is uh, being able to pick up or even just check out those like 99 cent, dollar mm-hmm. 99 things. Like I read this thing, Guardian of the Forest, that was uh, a 99 cent one shot, and. Uh, you know, one shots are tough. Like you can't, you can't really tell like a big story in a one shot. But it was cool, and I got to try it for a dollar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the artwork was was really interesting. Kind of had that. Um, who's the artist for Magneto? Can never Walta. Uh, yeah, Malt Gabriel. Gabriela Hernandez. Walta. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Okay. Uh, yes. Kind of like that. Um, folklore, fableish kind of thing of revenge and and you know don't piss off the forest and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Um, but being able to preview that stuff, like if I see something and it's a $1.99 and it's an independent, you can check out like the first like three or four pages sometimes and get a, get a taste for it, see what the art looks like and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I really, really enjoy that aspect of, uh, of the app or the store, whichever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's been fun. And I'll tell you, man, Saving that gas money. <laughs> it just goes right back into comics, but that gas money. I like it. Um, and Doctor Strange, really good, but it's $5. Yeah. You get eight extra pages of 
okay, it's fun little stuff, but I no. Yeah, not I'd for rather five bucks. just cut those eight pages out. Let me pay the normal amount of money yeah. for it. Uh, would be my thing. Yeah, four ninety nine is just that's a point price point. I'm yeah, especially, especially because like if it had been a thirty page b- issue of the comic where it, the, the the story was across those thirty mm-hmm. pages. I would have been. I still wouldn't have liked paying five dollars for it, but I would have been accepting of it a lot more. But the fact that it was five dollars and there was eight pages of just like this is what happened to this this sorcerer, yeah. this happened this sorcerer, and they're cool and they all look great and they're all very clever. But I just I don't need them. I I would rather not have them. And I might be you know Bob and I might be in the minority on that, but I I, I just I know I, someone on Twitter was like. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't buy the book, and I'm not buying it anymore ever because wow. I, I'm done. Like, I'm not gonna mm. spend five dollars on a book like that. If it was five dollars again next month, yeah. with the same situation where I'm paying for deleted scenes, mm-hmm. in essence, yeah, I'd I'd trade weight. Yeah, I, I said, I, you know, I said this book it's been so good that I'm willing to give it a a month pass, but it's it doesn't need didn't need to be th- no. that much. It's money. weird how it comes seems to come out of nowhere too. Like you just you get to the stands and mm. all of a sudden it's four ninety nine this month and you're like, wait, yeah. well, why? Yeah. Yeah, and obviously there is a reason, but not the, a good enough reason. Yeah, no. no, and I mean I'm sure that 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 price point is announced beforehand, but I mean I don't I don't watch the previews like I used to. No, I don't look at the price in the previews, and honestly, in the store, I get handed a pile of books, mm-hmm. and I'm looking through things, and it's like I'm chatting with people or whatever, mm-hmm. and you yeah. hand the books off, and you, I get I get a discount, and that's mm-hmm. all great, and I get a price, and oh yeah, here you mm-hmm. go, and I look there five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes like going going digital and stuff like that. Sometimes things will be cheaper. Like I bought um, just last night. I bought the first trade for Tokyo Ghost, seven ninety nine. Yeah, image does now. They do seven ninety nine for the digital trades. So you mean that's super cool? I bought um, Alaba the second Alabaster arc. Oh yeah. Did you see the cover for number four of the current arc no. going on? Whoa! Check the last uh, <laughs> favorite covers of the week. It is just. Gorgeous, like it's it's in top running for end of the year stuff. It's gorgeous. So what did you get? The Grimmer Grimmer Tales? Is that what you got? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, good I wanna. I, I I found. I went into my my comic room for the first time in ages. It's a disaster in there. It's <laughs> disgusting. Anybody wants to come and help me clean it up? You're more than welcome. Um, what's to drink? Anything you want, Bob. <laughs> Whiskey, well, bourbon. That's good. Um, so, yeah. So I dug out my my first arc. I'm gonna reread that before I dive into the second, and then. If I'm still in the mood for that story and characters, I'm gonna jump onto the the mm. new book and find out what's up with that. Cool, yeah. cool. Uh, I uh, I've uh, I've been taking. Well, it was obviously we read. I read. I read the Fantastic Four arc on Marvel Unlimited, mm. but I've been taking advantage of my Marvel Unlimited subscription quite a bit the last uh, month or so. I've been. I also start, I started reading through. Um, uh, New X Men, the uh, Grant Morrison oh, run, oh, cool. um, starts with a uh, number one fourteen, uh, which I was confused by at first. But then I then when I read up on it, it's because they didn't they didn't renumber the the adjective adjectiveless X Men book. They just changed it to New X Men and kept the same oh. numbering um, back then. So I think it was like two thousand two thousand one. I think it was when they did it. Um, and this comes right before the Astonishing run that uh, Whedon did. So I. I I just read that obviously, and so I wanted to go back because I heard a, some of the stuff from that run was was coming right off of stuff from this run. So I've gone back and done it. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't read all of it yet. I think it's it's like one fourteen to like one fifty something. I think is the 
is is the run um i'm in the 130s at at this point mm. but uh it deals with it deals with things that I, you can't not you read about in every single issue of x-men now that i never i didn't didn't i didn't ever read the thing so uh the uh, genosha ah okay. the destruction of genosha mm. happens in this Oh, uh, I was just talking about that. Yeah, which I've and every single X Men book I've ever read it since we started doing this, it. they talk about it. Yep. And I've never, I, I always, I knew what it was because of, of like looking back and f- figuring out what it was, but didn't really know. So that's in that's in this. Um, it's also the second mutation of Beast when he goes from looking sort of like like a cat when that kind of cat look mm-hmm. that he has now. Um, or did up and until I think the Bendis stuff where he kind of remutated him again. But this is where he go- takes on that look. Um, and really, really the the run that started dealing with his sort of, um, I guess anxiety over if he was going to lose what made him Hank, you know, his intelligence and stuff like that. Um, so that's a lot of the basis of, of what's there. There's still stuff that like because I haven't read anything before this, like I don't. Gene is alive. I don't know when that sort of like she went from being dead to being alive. Again, I was not reading the book then. Isn't she a clone? A, I don't a know. A phoenix clone or something? I, I have I, no I, idea. I, I could be way up. Help she, us out here, people. She's alive. Her and Scott are like doing their thing, but uh, since she's been back, their relationship has not been what it used to be, um, and so they're having a lot of a lot of trouble, and it deals a lot with that stuff, um, but it primarily deals at least the first um, like 20 issues or something uh, a little less than that, maybe 15 issues, deal with Cassandra Nova, who is um, Charles Xavier's... This is this, this is going to sound Morrison as hell when I tell you what this yeah. what her character is. Because she's in Astonishing. She's like the the really powerful telekinetic that like makes them see all those weird like uh-huh. uh, things. Is it her mother's brother's cousin's no, sister's No, 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 no. So, so <laughs> Cassandra Nova is is Charles Xavier's twin. Okay, sister, but but but, <laughs> oh great! She was never bo- actually born. <laughs> At some point in like, uh, like when they were in the womb, like Charles Xavier like killed her. <laughs> Whoa! Um, which happens when there's sometimes there's a twin that's less pow- less yeah. healthy than the other. The other twin will sort of absorb that twin, but. Uh, their the the her latent like uh, uh psychokinetic powers like created like a a personality that didn't go away an echo a- an echo basically yeah exactly yeah. and over the years grew stronger and always and more like ma- malevolent because it was so, so angry about not being born that eventually kind of manifested itself uh it's kind of awesome being yeah. I kind of want to read this now and then is trying to destroy Xavier and sort of take over the the x-men that's morrison that's um, really yeah it's a cool it's a really cool storyline it plays a lot with that stuff where it's like what's real and what's not what's 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 going on um it brings uh emma into the fold as far as just being a regular x-man and being a teacher at the at the school her her outfit is r- ridiculous as always um the, the one thing i'll say is that it has like kind of a rotating group of artists it's like quietly does does some of it and then Ethan then shriver does some of it and there's a couple of our artists who do all of it some other parts of it um the quietly stuff i i love his art so i like it a lot it's that weird like scrunchy like you know yeah. strange thing he does the other artists it's just a little it still feels a little bit too like you know 90s to, to me gotcha. it has a, a little too voluptuous and, a, <laughs> and also a little too like oh it's crazy huge muscles too sometimes much, uh, Aussie hair moose yeah yeah, yeah. exactly it just kind of goes back and forth a little too much for me um in, in that in that stuff but uh 
I know that there's there's some point in the run where people kind of turned on it, where people were like, I hate this. I don't know when, when that happens, when it comes, if I'm even going to notice it because I'm not steeped in what was going on at, at the time. I know it's, people started out really liking it and then sort of made a turn on it at some point. Um, but I'm very much enjoying it so far. Uh, they've sort of, uh, Xavier can walk again and he's, and he's, which I didn't realize either was in this, in this, in this run, it's the first time he ever comes out in public and says, I'm a mutant because people didn't know that he was a mutant before he was a, he was like a mutant advisor. Like to, people, right. people knew uh, as someone as authority, a mutant didn't know he was a mutant. So he's kind of come out and he's kind of doing this. Like we're going to prove to the world that we're, you know, we're here to help and we're going to go out and do all this stuff and we're going to get bigger. We're going to have, you know, task force. So like X factor is like, is like one of their task task force. So uh, Madrox and people are like they're going out and running missions for them. Um, it's the introduction of Phantom X. Is it comes in the Morrison run? He created that character, who he's like another an ex, you know, it's it's a, and it's I think it's also the first time they ever said like he's not Weapon X. He's Weapon Ten. You know that that's like, oh, they, they defined yeah. it as like the tenth try at making a human living weapon. Okay. And so Phantom X is like the thirteenth or whatever try at that. Um, so that stuff is going on right now. Um, it's, I mean, it's highly entertaining and reading this and astonishing has sort of made me realize that like, I really love the X-Men and it makes me want to go and back and read as much as I, you know, as I can and sort of try to fill in as many gaps as possible. Um, the more you read, the more gaps are going to be. I know. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, uh, are yeah. you reading any X-Men now? No, I'm not actually. Yeah. Um, which I mean, whatever. I'm sure there's always going to be times where there's stuff that you know you're not into it or whatever. But uh, I'm I'm enjoying the the, the Morrison stuff qu- quite a bit. And I was saying, I read the first arc. The friend, the first arc is, it's not so weird. It's very like kind of. It's not straightforward, but it's you know it's straight straightforward for Morrison. And I was talking to somebody. I was like, yeah, I like it. It's like it's not weird yet. It's like it's kind of like more normal they go don't worry <laughs> it's pretty weird and i was like okay i'm in i'm in for that but there's a great character uh named zorn uh who is he's like i, I don't know how to explain it I, they don't expl- explain it i think there's there's an annual that i didn't realize was in in between something where they introduce him so i gotta go back and read that annual because when you do it in marvel limited it's just issue by issue it doesn't put annuals in the same sort of you know Ooh. uh lineup as that stuff so i uh <laughs> Zorn is a character. It's like a, it's like a, like a, the power of like a sun, like encased in like this like metal shell. Like his mutant power, he can't stay like form, so he has to live within this like, like iron like shell. Basically, he's it, like the dude from uh, the Hellboy universe, the guy that's in like yeah, the suit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's a guy like that. But he and it, but he has like the power of like universes and stuff. But he so he can like reconstitute matter. He can heal, and that's how Xavier gets his. His uh his ability to walk back because he heals him, okay. and there's this great issue. I think it's 127 where this character is is kind of come out of seclusion and he's sort of in America. He's working for the X Men at this point, and, and there's a lot of all that tension and stuff like that. And there's like mutant slums that 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 are in like these these ah. these uh these cities. And he goes to the city and he and he's just like sort of just helping people. And it's a whole issue of him just walking through and helping people. It's one of my favorite issues of X Men I've ever read. Um, somebody go like, I want to know more about the Zorn character because he wasn't because I didn't know he was introduced in the Morrison run. I thought it was before because there's just a scene where Cyclops is like, we're gonna go get Zorn. That's that's what we need to get. And I was like, I want to see where this other character was before. And I was like, oh, pick up, pull up his Wikipedia page. I'm reading it, and I totally spoiled like a huge oh. thing that's gonna happen in the run. Oh no. <laughs> 
I was oh, like, damn no. it. If I had known he was a Morrison creation, I wouldn't even read it because I wouldn't have been searching for like what he was before. Um, and I'm sure people who will know the X-Men universe, or especially that time the X-Men universe, know exactly what I'm talking mm-hmm. about because it's probably common knowledge. But I didn't know. So I was like, no. Oh. <laughs> this would have been such a cool reveal. Damn I'm you, guessing. Wikipedia. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, – yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying that. I'm j- and – you know the the app has its issues. It has its quirks and, and weirdness, but it's it the the collection of books is so huge that it it's yeah, how many in this run entirely? And in, in the Morrison run, there's like fifty issues, but I, you can you can you can pretty much I think read almost the entire X Men wow run of everything you know from mm. beginning if you, if you really wanted to. How much is the subscription for that? I, I don't know exactly. I think it's like eighty bucks a year, or sixty bucks a year, or something like that. I think it's not bad. All sorts of specials always. Running. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or you can pay monthly if you want to try it out for a month or two or something like that. Mm. Um, like a Netflix. It sort of is. Yeah, for Marvel stuff, it absolutely is like that. Uh, now, what are they with new books right now? They've got three months out. I think they're like it's like three. It's either three or six months. I don't. I don't remember what it was. But they they have like a section on the app. It's always like here are the new books that that are out right now. Um, let's see. Let's see what the newest ones are added. We can actually see because it will tell. It'll tell me. Um, let's go home here. Okay. So new this week. Um, so yeah, it's September. I guess is wh- is where. Uh, they're at right now, so they're the new new stuff from September is coming out. Um, so four months behind, I yeah. guess. Yeah, four four months behind. Yeah, like uh, um, the fiftieth anniversary stuff is starting, like the Agent Carter Shield fiftieth anniversary is is out yeah, here. Yeah, so it's the late summer things. All right. Yeah, like renew your vows number f- five or something like that. Yeah, you know. it's actually, it was pretty near to five months, but still at that price and have access to everything they've ever published for the most part. I yeah, mean, the, the, yeah. The major runs are there. I mean, you're not doing it to read the new stuff right it's like yeah. it's like mm-hmm. that's that you're reading it to do, do back catalog stuff and uh you know it's great i mean and it's one of those things too where whenever i think about i'm like oh i'm thinking about i really want to read this x you know this this blank marvel book and, and i'm like oh let me see how much the issues cost or whatever i'm like wait a second <laughs> what are you doing you already pay to read all these issues uh but it was great for obviously for the fantastic four thing just be able to go back and just read through them all, all like that. That was great. You must have been doing a lot of uh, zooming and and scrolling and scanning. Not that much. Really? No, not that much. Not that much. There's a lot going on on these pages. The, the only time I have to do that is when there's like a... It, I mean, there were, if there was like a lot of dialogue bubbles, I would zoom in to read the dialogue bubbles sometimes. But other than that, it wasn't it wasn't so bad. Um, I can't get into scrolls. Scrolls or scrolls? scrolls? No, scrolls. I... I <laughs> Every time I see them, like they popped up in the Spider Woman book, they pop up in this. I can't get on board with just their whole deal. What what is what is exactly their origin? But they first appear in Fantastic Four number two. Okay, they're, so they're right after the Mole Men. They're the first people. Like, they Are they fought. just alien shapeshifters? Yes, they come to invade. Okay, and they imitate the Fantastic Four and okay. wreck stuff and. Yeah, make the world hate and fear the FF. I think it's their chins. Yeah, the the scraggly chins with the stuff. It looks like if, what's his name? Uh, Like if Bruce Campbell's chin had sex with a gourd and they just (laughs) stuck it on someone's face. Yeah. Thanos has their chin. Yeah, he does. There you go. He does. All right. Let's bring bring Carolyn in here. (laughs) Hey. We're going to talk about Fantastic Four. Hello, Carolyn. Hello. Hello. Good evening. Hi. Hi. How you doing? 
Welcome to uh, welcome to the well, show. Well, <laughs> Donald Trump has won Florida. Oh wow! We're, we're, when people hear this tomorrow, they'll be like, "Yeah, we know." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, it's so yeah, news right now. It's breaking yeah. news. It's breaking news. Um, so Carolyn, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. We needed a, as Bob always puts it, a fourth for bridge. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> for the. <laughs> uh for the show and uh you had sent your thoughts into to the, to the email last week when we were supposed to talk about it so yes. so uh so you knew that i had done the homework in case i needed to be called upon exactly yeah, there you exactly go. exactly um so yeah so uh bob why don't you uh tell the folks at home what we're gonna be doing right now and you know and kick us off you got it we decided to just i was going to assign a book or an arc or whatever that people should read or whatever now bobby has just read an article from what the library guild or something yeah. that if you're going to run a book club you should not pick something you really like because your feelings are going to get hurt yeah but i'm willing i'm willing to gamble so here we go we're going to be talking about fantastic four issues number 48 to 51 just as bobby says because i really like issue 51 but actually <laughs> There are threads at the end of 50 that get picked up directly, and it's important to the relationships of the characters. So it's from the early parts of 1966, March of 66 to June of 1966. It's written by Stan Lee, drawn by Jack Kirby, inked by Joe Sinnott, who just had begun at issue 44 and would do, I don't know, about the next 200 issues <laughs> inking of whoever was doing it. Uh, two issues, 48 and 51, letter by Artie Simic, and 49.50 by Sam Rosen. Yeah. That sounds, yeah, we all know that kind of stuff. Nobody had credits until Stan put them in books. Right, so right, that, right. that's really important. And I, I mentioned that to say that the comic world itself was very different in 1966. Marvel was new. DC ruled the roost. Marvel at this point was probably the number three or number four comics publisher. Behind DC, Archie, probably. Archie, definitely, and probably Dell. Uh, DC was actually distributing Marvel books at this point, and there were actually restrictions as to how many books Marvel could put out, which is why all those split books like Tales to Astonish and Suspense had two characters. It, that wouldn't happen for a few more years. Things were changing. There was such a buzz about Marvel and the way they were telling stories and the sort of characterizations. So five years out, Marvel would be number one. What Stan had done with, with Jack and Steve Ditko and... Johnny Romita, John Buscema, eventually Gene Colan. We had deeper storylines, uh, more vivid, more human characterizations. You, so you ended up with an older, more educated audiences. Stan would go to college campuses and make my Marvel and Excelsior and all that sort of stuff began. And for all that had happened so far in, in the Marvel Universe, you had space aliens, as Steve was talking before about Skrulls and how he doesn't much care for them. They've been around <laughs> from the very beginning. We had seen the glory of Asgard. We had seen Doctor Strange go into odd dimensions. But this is where cosmic Marvel is really born, within, within these storylines, in these three books. And this is actually part of a longer extended run that begins at Fantastic Four 35, where they introduce Medusa as part of the Frightful Four, we moved through in, all the way to issue 60 where what you saw in the second movie where Doctor Doom steals the Silver Surfer's powers. So the way Stan did these things, is, as it's the lead into here, storylines would bubble up f in the issues and then get picked up a thread. So here, we actually open here on the end of the last Inhumans story arc where 
they found the hidden land and Maximus the Mad has decided, well, uh, I'm ruling and you can't be outside, so I'll keep you in this giant bubble. Fantastic Four barely escaped. Johnny loses Crystal. And while that's all going on, we see the Silver Surfer soaring through space with lots of captions. Stan loves captions, but he really he sets the tone beautifully through this sequence here. As the Fantastic Four get back home, there are now two suns in the sky. The sky is eventually filled with flame and then eventually space rocks. And we get a really awesome view of the Watcher, who eventually shows up to warn the Fantastic Four of the coming of the Silver Surfer. I've been trying to hide the Earth from this character because he's the herald of Galactus. Now, Galactus was introduced because Stan, at, at some point, said to Jack, I, you know, we, I want a character that isn't just inherently evil. He's beyond good and evil. It's the Fantastic Four fight God. Mm -hmm. So I want that. And so, you know, the way they wrote the books, the Marvel method, then Stan would jump around on his desk and they'd act out storylines. Jack went home, brought back Fantastic Four number 48 in pencil form, and there was this character on a surfboard flying around. Jack, who's that guy? Well, a demigod like Galactus wouldn't just show up. He'd have a herald to announce his presence and do all this sort of stuff. And Stan fell in love with the Silver Surfer. After these stories... Only he would ever write the character for years and years and years. It was Unless he did it, you weren't allowed to use him. Oh, wow. When Galactus does finally show up here, it is an awfully impressive sight. He wanders out of his giant spaceship and is ready to, in essence, devour all the energy on planet Earth. And it looks like he can do it. Wearing, he's, wearing a kilt. Yes, uh, made of iron. Now, why has a giant G in the center of his chest? It's <laughs> so a funny to... thing. He's a god, and he's like, I got this G, just so you know my name. I'm G. I'm Galactus. <laughs> this is G right here. And he, he is green in this first issue. That yeah, really it's is the way he looks. Yeah, 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 yeah. they actually recolored it uh, years and years later. Mm -hmm. Now, what, what you have when Galactus and the Watcher speaks, the Watcher, who's who's already broken his vows a couple of times to sort of just warn the Fantastic Four, just show up so they will know something bad is happening. He's actually now intervening directly. You know, the others were dead worlds and no harm was done. The Fantastic Four, them being heroes and Ben and Johnny being hot-headed, they try to attack. This doesn't go well. Ben basically knocks the Silver Surfer, you know, mm. took us over overhead off a building. That's, that, that can't hurt him. But what it sets up, it's a wonderful coincidence in that he falls onto the balcony of Alicia Masters, the thing's girlfriend, mm -hmm. who basically is the savior of the planet Earth <laughs> because she touches some little part of the Silver Surfer, whose origin we, we don't see yet, into revolting against his master. While this is all going on, the Watcher has sent Johnny Storm elsewhere and elsewhen through the universe to Galactus's home space station, which is a giant Mobius strip in space, basically, which we've seen in a few other books. It's mm -hmm. been uh, drawn. But here it was the first time you saw that, as, as I did as a 10-year-old. It's what Jack has just gone insane here. He's just gone crazy. Just beautifully, beautifully done. Johnny comes back. The surfer's trying. I'm going to cut this down quickly because <laughs> I'm going. I'm, I could do this for hours. And I hope I'm giving people enough of this storyline. Well, I think we'll get into more of it as we go. <laughs> Huge cosmic battle. The power 
is just immense between these characters. The Fantastic Four are basically bugs. They get bug spray thrown on. They get characters thrown their way. They just leave me alone. Though the thing does clobber some machinery. <laughs> it gets some aggravator enough to, to stomp him. But it's about the humanness of Alicia Masters and what she can touch in the surfer and that and the threat of the ultimate nullifier. <laughs> but it's, it's the battle with the surfer that allows that device to come back that could destroy a galaxy with just pressing a button. You've given, you've given a match to people who live in a tinderbox. Mm. And the ending... I could spoil the ending. Uh, 50 anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think because we're going to go that way. Yes. All gloves are off. All gloves are off here. Story. We have a scene where Alicia it, it wanders onto the roof of the Baxter building and with the surfer and all this is going on. And Ben sees... Alicia going to the surfer and realizes what, you know, what chance do I have against this God from the stars? And I'm just this pile of rocks and he wanders off the building. You know, the moment of the Fantastic Four's greatest triumph, he vanishes heartbroken, mm-hmm. which leads us into 51, <laughs> where he's wandering the streets dejected, knowing that, you know, he's destined to live a monster. And the one thing that made him human was this woman who, could touch everyone in the same sort of way. He, he is led subliminally by some crazy Kirby machine mm. to the home of a, a scientist who hates Reed Richards, who figures his success and fame and fortune were not earned. He's just a clown. He's just a show-off. And he's going to kill him. <laughs> he's going to destroy the Fantastic Four and Reed Richards particularly by stealing the thing's powers, leaving him as Ben Grimm, and he wanders in because that's the only way that he can. It's the only way you do can it. do it. It's comics and it's Stan. So the thing gets mutated back into Ben Grimm. This guy now in the thing's body, in essence, goes to the Fantastic Four with all in, the backs of going all intentions of killing him. Ben shows up, and I even as a kid said, "Oh come on, they just ask him a question." <laughs> you know, he's going to know who your college history professor was. <laughs> I got the a whole issue for over. you. I had a lot of problems with this issue, but please go ahead. So Reed is in the middle of an experiment into subspace to try to find a way to combat faster than light villainy because we were just faced it with Galactus and the Surfer. How do you stop these people unless you can go into subspace to do it? His only chance of getting back home is to have Ben anchor him by this cable into other dimensions where mm-hmm. the, everything's exploding as the negative energy and antimatter collide with positive energy. And the Urzatz thing sort of, he's debating. He's actually thinking, should I do this? Should I? He's not what I thought he was. It's a little different than I thought. In that hesitation, Reed gets pulled away from him. The, the rope breaks and he's now floating away to die. And Ben goes in after him. The fake Ben goes in after him. Mm-hmm. And Reed's not, so, what, I told you not to do this, and you, I granted you the best friend ever, and I didn't want this to happen to you. This villain who was willing to kill him six pages before tosses him back through the gateway so he can live. And to Reed, that's his friend Ben, has died in this other dimension just as Ben shows up at Alicia's door ready as a human being, we can have a life together. He turns back into the thing while knocking, mm-hmm. which is a hell of a panel. He runs back, says, oh, I can fix this now, and gets, gets back to discover, well, he wasn't such a bad guy after all. It's a lovely little charming mm. end panel. So 
that's my wrap about all this, Steve. Since you have some trouble with some issues, let's 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 start with you. You've, I know you've read this before. Yes. How, was, how was revisiting it? Do you see anything different or? Yeah, uh, really different, actually. Um, I remember reading this. I think, oh God, it's got to be like three or four years ago at this point. It was when like, you got me. You got me started on the Fantastic Four. All right, I'm going to I'm going to blanket my opinions of this with stating that the Fantastic Four are my favorite superhero team. I love them the bits and pieces. I hated the new movie, and it my revisiting this doesn't change my overall feelings towards the group. Um, this was a bit of a hard read for me. Uh, I remember liking it. I remember being entertained by it, and maybe it's because I had like your 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 passion for the story in mind when I read it the first time that it was very almost like a like a rite of passage or or, or like a magical thing to be to be reading this classic story. Um I still really really enjoyed uh aspects of it. I I like the art a lot. I love like the super vibrant popping colors. Um these pages where you have kind of your your you know tried and true standard Fantastic Four uh, Kirby artwork, but then you get to these pages that are like super sci-fi, almost more photorealistic pages uh, that kind of come out of nowhere. Like you just turn the page and they're there and there's like, there's not a whole lot of them. There's maybe what, a two or three. Mm -hmm. And, um, but they're always very striking and they're always very cool and they, they look neat. And I like the, the color combinations. Um, I really enjoyed the silver surfer stuff and just kind of going all the way back and and seeing the way that these comics, the way that comics were written back then, and kind of some of the stuff or the attitudes that were going on at the time, it was a completely different time. Like it's it's completely the story for me is a product of its time. That reading it today, having the values that we have in mind for stuff that we read today. Mm-hmm don't really play out too well when going back to read something from the sixties and especially reading some of the stuff. Like I'll just be dead honest with you. I, I did not like Reed Richards in this. You and I had a discussion mm-hmm. on the train and, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it, but I mean, you told me something on the train of that. He, he has a moment with Sue where he apologizes and he, he's, he says, you know, I'm sorry. I haven't been paying attention. I haven't, does that happen in these in these four issues, or does that does that come later? It comes a later. There are moments here of that. Okay, he is as he has been in the early parts of this too. Even going back a couple yeah. of years, he is often the absent-minded professor. Okay, he is not as cold and aloof as he gets painted years later by other writers. But there is a certain I'm busy. Okay, you know, d- d- get lost. Mm. I don't. I yeah. I don't really get the absent-minded professor from these four issues. I get kind of the, I'm too busy to pay attention to my own wife or even be aware mm-hmm. of this situation that's happening with my best friend in the world. And in issue fifty-one, I, I one of the biggest things that was hard for me to swallow was that moment where the the faux Ben comes in right and and Reed is readying himself for this experiment where he's going to the outer reaches of reality to try and and tap into this negative zone a place where no one's ever been he could possibly never come back from a place that might even warp his mind just to be there 
And right before all that stuff happens, there's this confusion as this other Ben walks in. And it was all just very cut and dry and dismissive. And he's like, well, you can't possibly, you know, get out of here. And he doesn't consider the consequences of handing the tether over to this other Ben that he trusts is the real one. But Reed Richards doesn't stop to figure this out when somebody who looks like the old Ben, the non-transformed Ben, walks into his front door and there's two things there that he's so hell-bent on going into this universe that he tables all of that, including Sue's concerns for his life. Mm-hmm. And he tables all of that stuff and and puts his trust in someone that he doesn't know is his best friend to keep him tethered to his reality and his world. And that was the moment for me where I kind of broke a little bit. And I was like, this is what is even happening right now with Reed Richards? Well, part of it is, just to break in for a second, is the nature of comic book storytelling then. Yeah. But not in the sense of how many words a page or panels a page. Mm -hmm. It was how many issues told a story. Mm -hmm. Back then, generally, one. Yeah. Yeah, the Galactus trilogy was, it's a huge idea. Mm -hmm. And even that, it's really only two books because there's a half on each side. Yeah. Where now, FF51 would probably be five issues worth of book. Yeah. So that shorthand then creates Mm -hmm. awkwardness within those sort of plot points that we're used to seeing stretched out, fleshed out more properly, I suppose. Well, one of the things when we come into, uh, I guess, issue 48 of this, like you said, we were dealing with the tail end of of the Inhuman stuff. I, I like that in that the the content of each issue is so mammoth by comparison to what we have today that you're able to almost tell two stories or at least two halves of a story within one issue that you're getting the last bits of what you read and then you're already moving on and almost halfway into some new stuff. So content wise, I thought it was really cool and I loved like all the, the cosmic uh, artwork I thought was really neat Johnny kind of going to the the outer edges of the cosmos to to find the nullifier and his kind of mental processing of that. And even when he arrives at at his first day at college or or Mm -hmm. he's going to school, that he's kind of questioning, you know, should I even be here? Can I even do this anymore? Seeing as what I've just gone through, how do I return back to just being a, a college student? And it was moments like that where I really enjoyed kind of the the, the commentary and the um, the inner workings of getting to know the characters. Because a lot of the dialogue is just super, super on the nose. Like it's almost like watching a Hanna-Barbera cartoon where they're simply just – their dialogue is just telling you what's happening, you know. Um And so, some of the some of the stuff with, with Sue was – disturbing to say the least that she's kind of this hands up frightened little bird in a lot of the panels uh which i thought was was odd to to have read like issues of her later where she is such a commanding force but again it's a product of its time Mm -hmm. right right and it is something that was changing within Mm mm-hmm this era, and I think we're, we're going to talk to Carolyn about that yeah. too as we move into this. Like, also, this will be my last thing for right now. But when, like, when you talk about it, when you do that recap and you highlight what's really like the important aspects of this story, it's an absolutely beautiful story, and I love it and I appreciate it. I just, I, I was, I was really kind of 
unnerved by that this was like this was like standard fare like toots and and just tabling of 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 female characters but i guess that was just that was the world well again we it's hard to look backwards yeah when all you've seen is what's come since right so that that does push into that sort of you have to get into that mindset which isn't to excuse mm-hmm. but when you consider what the, the wasp was doing at this sort of point or the dc characters who were much much worse yeah in that sort of sense so carolyn while we're on this sort of uh tack what is your general or overall impressions of this and then maybe specifically to some of what uh, steve is discussing here too well, overall, I really enjoyed it as a story. I think for for the reasons that you were highlighting in the summary that you gave. I mean, at, at heart, it's uh, a cosmic soap opera and space opera about the potential of humanity. So that heart kind of glows through all of it. And when you add to that the the really excellent art... And the fact that you have appearances by Inhumans and Skrulls and the Watcher and Silver mm-hmm. Surfer and Galactus. And, you know, that when you put all that together, it makes for an excellent story. It's very fast moving um, because it's, it's even really less than three issues that the story is taking mm-hmm. place in the main story. Um, I mean, in, in terms of what Steve was talking about, I would also agree with, with those points. Um, I mean, I've read, <laughs> I've read a lot of comics now from the sixties and this definitely is in line with them. And we, we can contextualize that more if you want to, but, um, just because it's in line with them and I expected it doesn't mean that I found it easy to read. So when, um, I mean, I found my, I found myself wondering what would happen if you removed Sue from the story what would change? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not much. Not much. No, unfortunately. Right. It, when they made this into a cartoon, which was in 1967, the Alicia role was taken by Sue, mm-hmm. which changes the focus of that whole moment and make, gives her something really amazing to do. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that Alicia is the hero of the story. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't even know. I don't even know if it's an, uh, really an argument. I think that. In the end, she is the character who decides the fate of of the of the whole world in a, in a lot of ways, you know, um, in almost all ways. I mean, the surfer has to make the decision himself, but mm-hmm. she is the she's the catalyst for that for that decision. Um, you know, I would say like uh, um, that. I feel like for the most part, I mean, it's changed a little bit in that in that last issue we read, but for the most part, the Fantastic Four are kind of bystanders in this whole story, like. I don't think particularly that uh, the Sue stuff bothered me as well, but I, I I think that I don't think Reed is particularly well well drawn as a character in these four issues. You know, I, I feel like he kind of says sciencey stuff, but doesn't really he doesn't really do anything, right? He just he just kind of says like we need to figure this out, but in the end he doesn't really do anything in in these issues. I mean, obviously, I think the standout, I think the way that. Uh, Galactus and the Surfer are written. It, it, it's one of those things where I, I think I talked about this back when I read um, Amazing Fantasy 15 for the first time, but there are certain times, and for the most part, when I'm reading books from this era, I try to 
because I don't I don't think critiquing the way like the form of the books is like the 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 uh, I mean that's like all the captions stuff like that mm-hmm. is really a valid way to criticize the book because it's just the way that books they were written at the time. Um, but there are things so there are things I think just don't play now as far as just style goes. But there are certain characters and moments that I think transcend out of out of the time period into something greater. And I think that Galactus and the Surfer in these issues do that often. You know, there it feels like Stan working at a different level than when he's writing the other characters in, in the story at times. You know, a lot of the times the it's not so much, I, I feel like except for with Ben, Ben is usually has something going on with what his dialogue is about and his character mm-hmm. is very well defined. And a lot, what, what I find interesting is that a lot of his character is defined by insecurity, right? It's all about like his kind of male insecurity about who he is as, as, mm-hmm. as, 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 a, as a person and as a man. Um, but he, at least it's well drawn out to me. Um, uh, but I feel like those two characters, the surfer and Galactus, really there's some great dialogue there and some great moments. And obviously, I mean, I, Stan, has kind of made the surfer is sort of like Klaatu, right? From that's the earth is still. Yep. he's very much that character from the day mm-hmm. or so it's still kind of judging humanity. And even though that character comes to judge looking for something for them to save the, the surfer kind of finds it. Uh, they have very strong parallels with, with each other. Um, you know, I, I do feel like we were talking about that last issue, Stephen. uh, to me, interesting enough, that was, that was one of my favorite issues of, of the four that we read okay. um, because I liked the way I liked the idea of the thing that makes that character realize why he's been wrong. I do think there's some stuff that is a little callous doesn't really work. I, I think it's fun. Yeah. I think it's funny that like they're like, huh, that wasn't really Ben. He saved our lives. He's dead now. Whatever. Like they're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, he shouldn't have done that. So good, he's stuck in this uh, this alternate dimension yeah. forever. Yeah, he deserved it. But thanks for saving my life. Yeah, the, yeah the I mean, my my issue with that issue really it it, it resides with Reed. It's it's very much him. Mm-hmm. In in I mean, the Reed that I've read from like Jonathan Hickman's stuff, right? But it's hard to compare the. I know. It's really, I you know. can't say like the, the you can't compare him to the Reed that was. After fifty okay. years of writing, but even, that's not really even fair. just in these four issues, and and it, the tail end of this of this issue, I have this open in front of me. They're all, you know, they 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 rediscovered Ben, and they're all hugging and everything. And he's like, "It's too good to be true, but I'll trust Sue's feminine intuition anytime." Right? When you didn't listen to her the entire time, I get no. I get you. I'm, I'm not, that stuff. I'm saying, yeah, that stuff okay. is definitely not. It doesn't work. Uh, absolutely but, not. But villain redemption. The villain yeah, redemption yeah. part is the part that I, I find interesting because it's it's it, it's interesting to see that character sort of get on the like, it's like the opposite of that. The good person goes on the inside to change the monster from the inside and ends up becoming the monster. It's the opposite, right? It, it's the monster goes in, try to destroy the good guys, and becomes a good guy by the end of it. Um, you know, there's like the stuff around it that, like you said, like the the, the machine that draws him to to the to the <laughs> apartment or whatever. Uh, His subliminal inducer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I loved that. I thought that was <laughs> well, great. I, I don't know this for certain, but I would bet you that it just got drawn that way. You know, Ben shows yeah. up at this guy's house yeah, so and yeah. Stan went, why would he go there? Yeah. <laughs> why would he show up there? I'll write something. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll fix it. Yeah, yeah. Subliminal inducer. <laughs> I yeah, love that'll that, do it. That'll like, do it. He's, been, he's been plotting 
for like he says like for months now I've been trying to blah 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 and it just so happened that Ben had this Galactus thing going on that he was wandering near enough to where this to device of his reaches induced. that he pulls into his apartment yeah. and like he's ready to go right like he's just he's down like he has like a bug out bag ready to just mm-hmm. take this guy's powers and go and infiltrate the uh, Baxter it, building yeah and I wonder uh, about the sort of main story I wonder you know again I feel like sometimes obviously great great themes and great things are, are done intentionally and sometimes they're sort of come at by accident at times but i do love the idea of this story which is that there's no punch that can be thrown that's going to solve this problem for them right it's it, it has to be what's good about them and what's and the inherent goodness and not this sort of the violence that they're able to portray you know that is able to win them the day i mean there is the you know the MacGuffin, the 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 gun that can just so happen to like destroy everything and 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 take out you know what keeps galactus alive and stuff like that but um that's really not the thing that um saves them you know And, and i i like that a lot about the story and i will say about that last issue again it's fascinating to me reading this book from 1961? This idea, which is so prevalent in the Marvel Universe now, in both the movies and the books, is present right away here, which is after what happens with Galactus, the first thing Reed does is go, we have to get bigger, we have to figure out, you know, it's it's this immediate thing, and it's, you can see that prevalent through every inch of what happens in the Marvel Universe now, mm-hmm. and it's just interesting to see that sort of laid so early, that Reed you know, basically almost destroys himself trying to figure out a way to make things better before they get worse. Right. Um, and, and I just found that interesting that there's a lot of, I think, what Reed has in here that they transplanted to the Tony Stark character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe later yeah, on. Good point. Um, anyway, uh, Carolyn, you didn't get to say too much uh, uh, on the story. <laughs> uh, no, I, I did say that I, I thought that I, I really enjoyed... Um, that humanity was at the core of the story. Yeah. Was there any particular moments or anything for you, Carolyn? Well, um, I mean, there are a number of times where that is hammered home. I think Medusa says it first, um, you know, something like how, because the, okay, whichever gun, there are lots of weapons. I can't remember all the names. Yeah, the Atmo gun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, you know, we're the same as humans. We're human too, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. So she kind of starts out, with that and then Alicia is trying to explain humanity to the surfer um what was what I think would be would be different today is that in a very decompressed style of storytelling that we have now maybe the surfer or Galactus could have observed humanity like doing good things Mm -hmm. instead of just the two female characters saying humans are good Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) Well, it is funny, right? Because Galactus is like, you know, I don't really kill people. I just, I take, I take planets that are already gone. And and the Watcher's like, there are people on this planet. He's like, oh well, I'm Galactus. Yeah, yeah. I can't be worried Beyond about other such people. petty concerns. I'm like, but you just said you don't ever. <laughs> no, he was very specific. He said, it is not my intention intention to injure any living being. Yeah, and then he goes, yeah, but fuck it. But whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I am hungry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what, but one other thing I wanted to say about Alicia before is that, I mean, we, we are in agreement that she is at the center of the story. Mm-hmm. She and the surfer and the watcher really, as yeah. opposed to mm-hmm. the fantastic four. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, that it's her that's doing it. 
sort of um, falls into the stereotype of the person with the disability having sort of like extra insight, mm-hmm. right? And, which is not all that uncommon. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be blindness necessarily, but some sort of disability. Right. Well, it's mentioned within here where, where actually, is it 51? I think it's now I'm thinking. Oh, it's are you as blind fi- as me? Issue, yeah, it's issue 55, actually, where he's talking about, you know, she's blind, but she sees more than other people. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in her story arc through this, I mean, she is the stepdaughter of the puppet master, which, yeah, <laughs> n- not a good thing, necessarily. Uh, she is initially part of his plan to destroy the Fantastic Four, because everyone wanted to destroy them, it seemed like, back then. But she is, is not only the savior of humanity, she's the savior of Ben Grimm individually through Stan Crane, that sort of Beauty and the Beast aspect to their relationship, which lasted for decades in, in these books. I know you thought a lot about that, right, Carolyn, their dynamic and then the surfer becoming part of it. Um, yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's also important that... Um, you see this sort of, uh, it's, it's not that all the um, loving feelings are only coming from the female characters, mm-hmm. which was something that was common back then. So like you see Johnny totally bereft when the, uh, I'm just going to say it, the under the dome moment happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, you see Ben talking about Alicia the way that he does, and you see moments between Reed and Sue. Um, So I appreciated that, definitely, that it didn't just seem like, you know, Sue was not the only one who seemed trying to get the attention of of the opposite sex. There you go. Now, I know we, uh, Stephen, I think, and Train even talked about this. As the book would go on, when it began, Stan's intention was to have Sue be an equal part of the team. And he and Jack failed pretty miserably Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, she was the fiance tagging along, and as Trina Robbins uh, pointed out in her book, *The Great Women Superheroes*, her power set and what was done with them made her the sort of parody of the Victorian woman, where if she actually used her powers, she would faint, and her powers were to fade away to nothing. Mm-hmm. By issue eleven, which is a split issue, it's the Impossible Man and a day with the Fantastic Four. They're answering fan letters from their own comic book, which was written by Stan and drawn by Jack in the books, which is awfully meta for 1963. There are letters in there complaining about Sue not doing anything. Mm. And the team complains that, well, she does plenty and so and so and so forth. By issue 22, she'd have her force field powers and it would begin to change mm. glacially slowly. Mm-hmm. But it's two years after this where she's the first superhero mom. Mm-hmm. It's right around that time. It's the next year where she, well, on maternity leave, basically, comes back to save them from Dr. Doom, who comments about how she's as strong a member of this team as anybody. Mm. That, that would be full out shown with Archie Goodwin and Jerry Conway, Roy Thomas a little bit later, certainly with John Byrne, who renamed the Invisible Woman. But here, yeah, it is... Of its time, which isn't an excuse. No, no, no. Certainly. But it is, you can see where it, there was a moment where I think Stan wanted to be progressive and wasn't. Mm-hmm. But what, Well, he probably thought it was progressive just having a woman on the team. Yes. Right, yeah. Who actually did something, yes. But it, but it's also, you really feel like she and Johnny are the junior partners. Mm-hmm. Like, here are the two guys, and then here's the lady and the kid. Right, mm-hmm. right. Now, I mean, at some point... Reed tells her to stay behind, and he says, it's an order, lady. 
Yeah. Yeah, if something yeah. happens yeah. to me and Ben, you and Johnny can like be the second string. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does. She uses her powers three times. I noticed, mm-hmm. and in two of the times, she says she can't hold it much longer, and the third time, the threat was so quick that she makes a point of saying, "Good thing my shield." activated itself automatically yes that's right yes when the... <laughs> which and it's like couldn't you have given her that moment that <laughs> yeah, she yeah, has she... fast reflexes yeah. i was so quick <laughs> that yeah. and there's a case where stan may have overwritten the artwork mm-hmm. where jack may have drawn it that way mm-hmm. probably obviously drew it that way and he explained himself into a worse situation than yeah, he had yeah. Left. You know, you can tell. I'd say mentioning about the artwork, and I was just going through the the Surfer versus Galactus mm-hmm. uh, fight, which I think Kirby is, Crackle, Kirby Crackle, uh, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> gorgeous. I mean, it, I I can't even imagine what it was like seeing it then. You know, uh, it's impressive now after fifty, sixty years mm-hmm. of you know continually co- more complicated you know art has has gone along, uh, and this obviously, if it was published today, would stand up as it's still one of the best things put out there um but you know speaking to the words that i mentioned before how you know if that's the way comic books are written then so it's like it's, it doesn't make sense to really criticize it for it but i found myself doing a thing where like i wouldn't sometimes i just wouldn't read the words in a in a panel like i'd peruse to make mm-hmm. sure it wasn't it wasn't like you know infor- like important, yeah. important information but like steve said all the times it's like we're running down this hallway right now. I'm like, I can definitely see that you're running down the hallway. <laughs> yeah. This art is really good, you know. But but the thing I I but the, well, the great thing about the art though, I just want to say is that even not reading some of those things, I never felt like I missed anything. The art it, itself is great. There's great storytelling in in the art itself, um, and you know, th- it's fascinating to go back and read this because even though obviously they've been they have been doing uh you know the what would become DC had been doing comics for a long time by the time this, this started mm-hmm. and comics itself had been a medium that had been around for a while. This sort of brand, the sort of kind of type of comic is, is still relatively new and it's fascinating to see the beginnings of an art form at, 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 its sort of, you know, mm-hmm. nascent stages. Um, and the way that in the future, obviously, and I don't think even, I'm mean, obviously it, w- it would, it, I feel like the, the sort of, reduction in, in speech it d- didn't really start until not that long ago i feel like you go back and read books from the, the claremont 90- burns x-men yeah, right, yeah. Remember. you can go back in the 90s a lot of the time mm-hmm. i mean unless you're talking about the you know the uh girly book the, the, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're 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 so full of captions and you're so full of, of speech bubbles but um the 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 i guess i i was i am wishing like he would trust the jack a little bit more to kind of tell the story uh that's the only thing i took away from it but being able to sort of like look at the look at the panels and get the story and not have to necessarily read those what you know being like descriptive captions uh was an interesting kind of experiment for me because it definitely got me into the flow of the story a little bit more and you know i i think that it's obviously when you didn't grow up reading the books that came out in this era it's and you're you're kind of weaned on the way comics are written now. It's definitely, a, 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 uh, it takes more effort, you know, to to read these than it does to read something modern. Um, but I definitely found myself when I when I finished fifty one, and the next thing was like uh, the Black Panther is in the next issue. Yeah. I was like maybe I should read the next issue. Yeah. I like the Black Panther, yeah. you know. So that was like a cool. That guy's that, all right. That was yeah. a good like in that that it definitely made me want to see more of it. Because I think once you get into the the rhythm of it, it it, it kind of carries you 
through a, a, a little bit sure. more. But again, we're looking at this is the Marvel method at its core. Mm-hmm. And you had artists who were storytellers on their own, some who had written at other companies, as, as Jack did, who could be handed a bare bones plot and tell their own story as opposed to a full script where there are now panels that are extraneous or just there for table setting. Here, they, the artist is trying to tell the story with his work. Right, so yeah. it changes the way that that happens mm-hmm. or the the way you can look at the book now at two levels. Now, yeah. on this sort of front, I'm going to throw this open. Okay, Stanley and Jack Kirby saved comic books by creating more demand for more adult fare or they helped sow the seeds for its destruction as a mass media product by doing the same thing. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> what do we think? Um, Carolyn? <laughs> well, uh, when I teach, I uh, tell my students that the answer to every question I ask is yes and no. Okay, perfect. So <laughs> so I guess I would say the same. But define what you mean by more adult. Well, when you look at the DC books from this same period, whether it's the Legion of Superheroes or what's happening over in Superman or the Carl uh, books, uh, Lois and Jimmy, Lois Lane is spending her time trying to find Superman to get get him to marry her, find out who he is. There's lots of not much, not much for anyone above the age of about nine. Mm. There's lots of fighting. There's lots of meanwhile back at the Batcave. And here we have, you know, two years of connected storylines. Stan always said, I'm not writing for eight-year-olds. I'll write for 12. If kids have to look it up, they'll look up the word invulnerable. I don't care. Mm. And so they were really trying to do something, as you mentioned, soap opera, you know, long-form extended, which in an era where books were not as easily found on the newsstand made it an effort to go get them. So in, in that level, telling cosmic stories and mythology, somewhat more grown up, still not Steinbeck, mm-hmm. certainly. But, but you mean more in terms of like continuity and maybe the stakes are higher? Right. There, there, there's more consequence. The characters, Stan uh, killed characters. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so yeah. then you could say that this saves comics because it means that when the... Um, when the distribution method changes to the direct market, that is a distribution method that is more heavily dependent on older people who can get themselves to a store. Yes, absolutely. Um, so if you're building in that older audience starting in the late 60s, and there's some evidence that that's the case, that this, that's the point at which um, especially Marvel Comics became more popular on college campuses, or maybe Green Arrow, Green Lantern, too, on the yeah, DC side. a little bit later, side, absolutely. Um, that you're building up that audience, and then that audience is going to save comics in the 90s, despite mm-hmm. what we may think about the content of 90s. <laughs> yes, comics, yes. Or what I may think. I don't want to speak for anybody else. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, you could say that taking a mass medium and narrowing it, narrow casting instead of broadcasting, uh, is something that people are pushing back very heavily against today. Mm-hmm. Yes and no, but <laughs> yes. said so beautifully, yes. I could listen to that forever. And, yes and no. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things, too, where you, you think about Stan at the time, and there's no possible way, I think even in his wildest dreams of success, he could have seen the industry that he was starting help to create become what it became. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I mean... 
you know, his idea is like, okay, I'm going to write this connected universe, keep everything together, but he's writing every single book. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's, it's, it's like he, he's only thinking about as a, a one, you know, one man writing crew and, and three or four artists. Right. We're going we're gonna to pump out these books. They'll be connected. It's probably doing us. It's fun for me to have them all connected because I can have the Hulk show up with the Fantastic Four sure. and then I can have Spider-Man and you know, I can do all this stuff. That's a lot of fun for me to, to be able to do that. And then you know, it obviously grew with the next group of people who came in and then grew again and then grew again and then grew again till it was this giant you know, self-sustaining world. Um, and even then, when it, everything seemed to sort of when Marvel had all its trouble, when it when it when they were they went bankrupt and they and they they were in dire need, I mean I I don't know what Stan was thinking at the time, but he might have been like, well, it got farther than I ever thought it would get I'm anyway. Sure. <laughs> and then now, it, I mean, I can't even I it, it's it's a billion dollar if you count the movies, you know, it's a billion dollar idea idea factory, um, and they've become not characters as much as they become brands to be you know to be fostered and to be protected, uh, and. and I think yeah, I think in a lot of ways maybe he he did sow the seeds for what ended up coming because when you get people who grew up, eventually you get to the point where you have people who grew up reading the books that he wrote, so it takes on a whole other meaning. You you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like what these characters mean to Stan, even though he created them, is something totally different than what it means to you, Bob. You know, right. I'm the age of some guy who heads the movie studio. <laughs> I love these characters. They should be in movies. Um, and but I always think about this thing where about you know about fandom. Um, it's not a great movie, but then we um, Fever Pitch with uh, Drew Barrymore sure. and Jimmy Fallon about the Red Sox winning the World Series. But they do this thing about it's all it's really a book. Of, it was a book by Nicholas Hornby about you know British, you know football fandom, soccer fandom. But it, but there's a scene where the Red Sox have lost a game and Jimmy Fallon is like characters out eating and he's like so depressed and like there are these Red Sox characters the Red Sox players out just drinking and laughing and he's like, what? How can they do this? They should be devastated, you know. And I, I think that that's the same kind of disconnect between the people who create this stuff and us who just consume it and talk about it and, and obsess over it. And so I think it kind of grows, at, you know, it kind of grows into a place that the people who are writing it can't even ever imagine no. it happening. When Stan created these characters, he was in his late 30s, early Mm -hmm. 40s, was about to quit comics entirely. Mm -hmm. He was sick of doing it, and he was about to to, to quit his uncle's business. He had been since 1939 as an office gopher. And his idea was, I want to write something that I could be proud of. Something that maybe even someone who's not a shut-in or an eight-year-old kid might want (laughs) to actually read. And his wife, Joan, had said to him, you're going to quit anyway, so why don't you write a book the way you want to write it? What's the worst can happen? He fires you? You're leaving anyway. Mm-hmm. Do it. Mm-hmm. That's the Fantastic Four. Can we talk about the Punisher? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the, like the, the, like the frog-footed... Uh, Rotating arm monster guy. Yeah, yeah. The, what? The, Galactus is like uh, oh, dude. Like when he comes out, the, he's, in the, he's called the Punisher. Yeah. He's a half-blue, muscular, mean Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with a lot of power. Yeah, and, and a heck of a right cross. Too. Yes, one of the least imposing-looking characters that I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he takes out the thing pretty quickly. He does. He looks. Yeah. He looks kind of like a like a labyrinth like Muppet. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Um, but, but it is. Way, but there is you a, want to go. just the moment of whatever it says. Like you know, here comes the Punisher, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> 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 this little. <laughs> Wee. It's right. a big turn. The guy just drops down and starts shooting. He shoots all the fantastic. He looks like he's about to go spelunking. Yeah. 
Yes, I did note his cave hat also. (laughs) Jack liked things like that. I guess. If Rob Liefeld liked pouches and guns. I totally, I looked out of the corner of my eye, totally thought that Galactus <laughs> just flipped me off in that panel. He no, it's is. this. Be it gone. Be gone. Now, uh, the surfer would reappear in issue 55. Uh, the thing goes to, he's still trying to make up with Alicia for mm. all the bad stuff he's done and whatever anger he's, he's taken out of by just walking away. And he wanders in to discover the surfer there, which doesn't make him very happy. He basically, they have an issue-long fight of just smashing each other to bits. Oh, yep, Steve's got the Punisher page open. But how, how long does the woe is me, she'll never love me thing go on? About 15 years. <laughs> no, at, no, at some point, what, what, here's the thing. As Stan was writing it, it was always, she can't love me for because I'm just so hideous Mm -hmm. and she should go be with somebody better, but I can't let her go because it's all that keeps me grounded. And Mm -hmm. so there was lots of woe is me. It was the moments where he'd allow Ben to have some pity for himself where generally speaking, he was trying to bluster his way past it. I'm the Mm -hmm. handsome blue eyed thing or the idol of millions and all the other sort of stuff he's saying just to whistle past the graveyard in his own way. Mm -hmm. It's many years later uh, when John Byrne was writing the book, who also did a, a, his own great Galactus where it's the tr- collected as the trial of Galactus in trade where Reed has to save Galactus from dying because he's a force of nature that needs to be in the universe and all the other races put him on trial, which is pretty interesting. Anyway, you, you we should read that one too. <laughs> so I figured out what the Punisher looks like. What? A few things. One, he looks like a He-Man villain. He does. <laughs> he also kind of looks like a rejected Thundercats villain. I think I have at least two action <laughs> figures in my closet that look like this dude. Or he looks like a McDonald's Happy Meal toy. Yeah. You go. <laughs> I want to know why his face is blue and his hands and his legs are green. Uh, Braveheart makeup. <laughs> it's, yes, okay. here you go. It's his battle, it's battle makeup. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm very glad that I, I, I read it. And, you know, it's tough because mm-hmm. when you when – you, when you already know how a story is like, I, I didn't, I haven't read it, but I know the beats of the story. I know mm-hmm. where it's going to go. So it's, it's a different sort of experience, right? Reading something like this, knowing it's such a famous story, knowing where it's going to go. Um, so, you know, the sort of dips and the, and turns that come from reading it, not knowing what's going to happen. It's the surfer, you know, changing sides, all that kind of stuff. You don't get those feelings, right? You don't get like that. Oh, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. So you have to just sort of, take it at a moment to moment sort of thing. And uh, I did enjoy it. And I I think, like I said, just coming that one way, seeing the the seeds of that sort of, um, you know, anxiety ridden scientist who wants to protect the world, but doesn't know how kind of thing. Seeing that would be, will continue in the Marvel universe for years and years and years to come. Like stuff like that, I think is important to read because you see where things come from and, and, you can see what is original and what isn't if you know where the stuff comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me just make one more comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, just yeah. throw this in here. I, I think you've read the issue. Uh, what Carol was talking about, the woe is me aspect of this. Mm-hmm. It's issue 247, Childhood's End, where Franklin, by using his powers, because he's the most powerful mutant in the Marvel Universe, actually wishes to be grown up so he can do stuff. And grows himself up and takes out the Fantastic Four entirely. Mm-hmm. His mother finally comes back and recognizes him and stops him, but realizes it's Franklin. 
grown up, and Reed shows up and di- discusses with Frank, well, you can put yourself back the way you belong, and, and he will. And he says, well, before I go, let's see if I can't fix Uncle Ben. And he starts, he reaches into his mind, he's going to fix him and turn him back into Ben Grimm again, and he doesn't. He ends up being back into the, he was the, the lumpy thing at that point, they made him back into the rocky one, and ah, you're just as bad as your old man, you can't fix me, it only walks off with Alicia. And so Reed is sort of asking Frank, well, what's that was about? He said, well, what I discovered in, in going into his mind, it's his love for Alicia that keeps him the thing. He doesn't feel she'd love him as a human being hmm. and only as the thing. So he keeps he, his own subconscious keeps him the thing forever hmm. so that she'll someone will love him. Wow. It's deep. It's deep stuff. It's powerful. So the woe, the woe is me continues <laughs> in, into the 80s, Carolyn. <laughs> so poor old Benji. Wow. Oh, yeah. um, How about that uh, was Whitey, what's his name? The dude from uh, from Johnny's College. Oh, yeah, the football star. Wyatt that whole, that whole thing. Wyatt Wingfoot? No, no, no. The, the, the oh, quarterback. Oh, Whitey, who's, Whitey. Yeah. Oh, Whitey, the, 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 yeah, the, the, the asshole. Hey, Whitey over here is talking to you. you got to pay attention. <laughs> oh, my God. That whole exchange was hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. Pouring the water on it. like this. Is, like, and and what, I do want to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. I don't want to leave this conversation without this. For my own curiosity, has anyone in your life ever called you or referred to you as sporting life? <laughs> it's from Porgy and Bess, actually. Is it? Yeah, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, I yeah. wouldn't know. Okay. <laughs> Carolyn confirmed it is. Yes. <laughs> Straight ahead, sport and life. You can't miss it. Like, <laughs> I, I, I never heard that term. There's a lot of a lot of uh, terminology, and everybody was lad. My daddy, yeah. my daddy used to call me sport. Yeah. I. My dad too. Yeah. I don't know that I got called sport. I got called a lot of things, but I don't think sport was one of them. <laughs> Champ and buddy and pain in the ass yeah, was yeah. Well, that's a good one. a lot of times. Any, anyone have any final thoughts? But I know you. you no, I mean, I, I think up. I gave my gave yeah. my, my my final thoughts yeah. on it. Um, I mean, I think that obviously there are things that are problematic about it, which which we mentioned, mm-hmm. and and I think that it's important to talk uh, talk about those things when you're talking about a story like this. Um, but I, I think that. It's as a as a piece of history. I, I think it was a really good thing to go back and and check out. So, yeah, Steve, I really enjoyed the evil football coach <laughs> um, who needs Wyatt to be on his team. He is determined, man. He just switches right in that moment into into you know evil mastermind mode. <laughs> um, no, I I'm really glad that you assigned it. I'm really glad to have revisited it. Uh, it was a very interesting exercise in going back to you know going back in a franchise even going back to something that i've read in the past but because we've been doing this for so long and my my views and my tastes and everything have changed so much over the years things that kind of blew past me the first time Mm -hmm. were then red flagged this time and by the same token things that i didn't appreciate some of the more sentimental aspects of it or just how compelling the Ben Grimm character is throughout and how, uh, you know, aside from Alicia and the Silver Surfer, he really is, in my opinion, like the has the best character arc. He at least has one. Um, and yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to go back and, and see the way the way that things were and watching the seeds being sown for things that come much later. 
Very nicely put. Carolyn, as our guest, you have the last word. Really? Um, no, I, I was very glad to read it again also. Um, I, I, I feel almost badly for talking, uh, talking trash about Sue Storm, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, didn't, I didn't mean to. It's just that if I can just take one minute to talk about the other comics that were around at that time, I mean, what, what was going on here with her was really not at all unusual because the Justice League was Wonder Woman and a bunch of guys. And the Wonder Woman comic was basically, it should have just been called Wonder Woman and Steve at this point, yeah, because really Steve Trevor was sort of her co-star, you know, around this time. And it's in 1966 that they kind of cast Wonder Woman back to the, the golden age of, you know, her finding him on Paradise Island mm -hmm. and all that. But the X-Men was Gene and a bunch of guys, and the Avengers was Wasp and a bunch of guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> Supergirl was around, but she, <laughs> Superman did not treat her very well. And Batgirl was around, but it was Bat-Girl, the first Batgirl, who was really just invented as like a girlfriend for Robin. Um, so w what's happening here with Sue was really, I mean, it was, it was in all of these other comics as well. So if you, if you do read the, if, if, if we've sold you on reading this, which I hope you have, you're going to see Sue with her hand on her face or, or her neck, and you're going to see her clutching Reed, and you're going to see her asking questions like, what's going on, Reed? Um, and it, it, it's a bit difficult to take, but just sort of see it in the times um, and try to critique that to yourself while also enjoying the rest of the story, which is a great, um, it has awesome art. It's a great celebration of both the perils and the promise of human beings. Um, it's introducing the Silver Surfer and Galactus. Alicia plays this really cool role. So I would recommend it with those caveats and that contextualization. Well, that's, I think that's the perfect way to wrap this up. So folks, I thank you for indulging me <laughs> down this road. If we, when we do this again, I promise we'll do something somewhat more current. I have a couple of things in mind. All right. Uh, so we won't say that yet. We'll, we'll decide off air. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. So, Carolyn, thank you very much for joining us. And to Steve and Bobby, thank you for always being here. Of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I had nowhere else to be, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. Like, um, before we, Carolyn, before you go, though, I want you, you can be here for the outro uh, <laughs> because we're just going to end it. Um, thank you guys so much for, uh, for joining us. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com, at TalkingComics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash talking comics uh is the facebook page um go to talkingcomicbooks.com for all the reviews and columns and our bevy of podcasts that you can check out there as well um if you want to get in touch with us personally i'm at bobby shortle on twitter steve i am at dead underscore anchorus bob bob Ryder at talkingcomicbooks.com carolyn is there where people can communicate with you uh, Coca C at oldwestbury.edu. All right. Um, and uh, we're back next week. I'm sure we'll talk about Daredevil next week because we'll have. Yeah. And then in two weeks, we've got. Uh, that movie. Batman v Superman. Shit. We better, Dawn of Justice. We better start asking around for some people, <laughs> man, because I don't want to repeat. How do you know you're not going to love it, Steve? Don't... I don't. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. You're, you're absolutely right. I don't know. Um, no, we won't leave that to chance, though. <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> I left it to chance last time. It didn't work out well for us. 
or it worked out great for us. Either we, 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 it depends on how if you think you go by the thing that you know all attention is good attention because <laughs> we got a lot of attention when we did that show. Uh, well, you you could have your joint reading for that night be the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Um, this thing took place after like 60 years of history. This movie's the first time they ever met. I'm gonna find <laughs> out. <laughs> how does that work out? <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So that we'll we'll talk about Daredevil next week a little bit. We'll we'll talk about Batman v Superman the week after that, and then uh, onwards and upwards. Eventually, Captain America. But uh, uh, thank you, Bob, for uh, assigning the book. My pleasure. Look forward to the to the next one. Um, and thank you all all for listening, of course. But that's gonna do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Bob, thanks to Sammy for sending me a nice gift. Ah, Steve, happy birthday, uh, Samuel Moon, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Carolyn. Um, happy birthday, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There you go. <laughs> nice. I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>